This is the first time I've been nervous, like recording a show. Really? In like a long time. No, the first, the first show I had to be nervous. Well, the first time I was nervous, and then this, the next time I was nervous is when I had Dasha on. Yeah. And I recently re-listened to that episode, and the whole time I was like, I said exactly like seven thousand times in that episode. Yeah. Which I have now realized is like a nervous tick that I have. To say what about the the singer you like, the, or the artist? Oh, when I had Jesse Lanza yeah, on. Yeah, Jesse Lanza. Oh that's my right. god, I was fucking terrified for that. that that's you just got an okay, and you're like, oh shit. They I say didn't yes. think she would say yes. <laughs> and then when I had GFOTY on, I was nervous too, but I was so wasted, and I had gotten to that huge yeah, fight with like, Kazu, okay, and I didn't. Okay. I didn't care. It was fine <laughs> because I was so fucking drunk that it was okay. So that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna get the shots of Kima. It's just like we're hanging out, song. Yeah. That's what we're doing. That's all it is. Last time was fun, too. We actually, I was drunker than I felt last time. When you came here? When, no, when we did our, our podcast. Oh, we got wasted. Time. I was... What the fuck did we watch before we did... We watched that terrible movie. We did Hello, Mary... Oh, we watched uh, that... It was like Wolf. I think it was called Wolf. Okay, yeah, that's right. Jack Nicholson. We just saw him. Yeah, last we just night. saw him in Little Shop of Horrors. Okay, I'm gonna see if we can do this while ho- holding the the mic. Yeah, we can do it. It's not so hard. Okay. Yeah, we don't we don't need the salt. Fuck the salt. Well, John, to um, how many years of friendship now? Three years. Going on three. Yeah, yeah three years of friendship. Kampai. Kampai. You know, salt doesn't add that much for me. You know what? I uh, I agree. It doesn't add that much. Thank God for limes. a lot of I'm putting a lot of weight into this episode right because I don't know I feel like this is like it's about the year anniversary of me doing the show we're about yeah we're about a year away from it and I'm about to leave you know yeah yeah you're going to a new city I'm moving to Tokyo very soon and I really value my friendship with you, and I also value oh, with Wilson, you. who is our producer on the episode. So it's like, I want this episode to be really good. So I have a lot of uh, pressure riding on myself that I don't usually have, I guess. I mean, I got pressure too, because I made the, the least listened to episode, so. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> I was just looking at the stats last night, I was like, I cannot. What, what's your least listened to? It's yours. No, I meant like, what's the view count? Like, what? Oh, I mean, okay, so it's I still like all right. It's, right? it's still over a thousand. That's a shit ton to me. <laughs> like, 
but the thing is, is that like, um, what's your most? <laughs> like, my most is my episode with Dasha I, okay. from Red Scare when we talked about Evangelion because that episode, lots of people found it from like Reddit right, right. and stuff, and um, I mean, everyone's just like fascinated by Dasha generally. Dasha and Evangelion people and what have you. Yeah, so it was kind of the perfect storm. That was like what kicked off my podcast and like. When we recorded our episode, nobody cared. I had, like, maybe a few hundred people listening, you know? Right. A few hundred's nothing, (laughs) you know? Nothing to, like, shrug off, but that's cool. But now it's, like... Now it's a bigger deal than I ever thought it was actually going to be. Because when I started it, you know, the show, I thought it was just going to be, like, a fun way for me to talk about stuff I wanted to. Mm -hmm. And then people started caring and, like, thinking I was, like, interesting and, like, having this opinion that... I have a perspective on something. And I've always right. known that I have one, right? Yeah. But I hadn't really felt that affirmation from other people before. So in like the last few months, like since I've been cognizant of that, the tone of the podcast has really changed. Right. I mean, everyone has a perspective, but, you know, it's, it's rare when someone catches a little bit of fire. And, I mean, how many people that I know have tried to start a podcast, you know? I mean, At most 50 views somewhere here. I, and there. lots of people so. give it a whirl. Lots yeah. of people give it a I mean, why try. not? It's there. No, I totally agree. It's like, it, why right? not? People, I, I it's honestly. It's like game streaming, too. You, know? you just go for it. Yeah. It's like, I think people should be doing it. I think they should be trying and failing and like making disastrous, awful podcasts that have like 15 people only. But it's like, as long as you're doing something and like commenting on something and yeah. saying I something, mean, it's good. You're being creative, too. Yeah. It's, it's important. I just. Um, you know, I kind of have to reconcile with the beast that is the podcast persona I created. I think that's why I'm so anxious during this is because I haven't like really had to like uh, shed the persona, and now we are doing it in full force right now. Because not only am I not like in my <laughs> in my dinky little apartment, yeah. okay. we are like in public at my favorite bar in Mie, like uh, where we drink. I mean, before COVID, like we were drinking here almost every week. You know? Yeah. And I'm, it's crazy. It is kind of crazy, yeah. And I'm on the precipice of leaving. You're about to get married next week. Oh, yeah, legally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, you're I mean, getting, like, literally married. Yes, that's true. It's exciting. I'm about to turn 25, which is even more crazy than you getting married. <laughs> I suppose. No, it's awful. I, I remember 25. Was it disastrous for you? <laughs> Were you terrified? I'm horrified. Uh, you know, the, the mid isn't as much for me as the zeros, you know. Uh-huh. So those are always bigger. I was just thinking about my 20th birthday, and it was like I was in a frat house celebrating for my for my birthday. It was like we would listen to Young Thug in this, like, very small fraternity live-out, like, purple lights. And um, a bunch of people I hated were at the party. And uh, I was, like, in heaven. And now I'm, like... My whole life's about to change. I'm like about to like relocate to the biggest metropolitan area in the world. I'm like leaving all of my friends. I'm leaving my boy. I mean, I'm not leaving him, but I'm like departing away from his physical presence. Yeah, times are changing. I'm so popular, and tonight we are live from a void note. (laughs) I'm with one of my best friends in the whole world, my friend of three deep years of watching movies together, 
Um, I saw the beginning of your relationship with your soon-to-be wife, and now you're about to get married. I'm about to leave, and I have an extremely dear friend on to talk about an experience with art that has genuinely changed my life, which is Twin Peaks. Yay, Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks. Yep, I can hear the theme kicking in now. (laughs) I... I wanted to talk about this since I started watching it. Like, I, I saw it originally in college, the first season. But okay. I only watched as much as the first season. And then I started picking back up on it last year. I literally got, like, a Netflix uh, VPN thing. Right, right. You so got to do watch the VPN, it. yeah. Yeah, because I wanted to watch it, like, in full quality and, like, really see it, you know? Yeah. I didn't want to watch it on some streaming service. And, like, it's so expensive to buy on DVD and shit. Oh, it's outrageous. Yeah. yeah. Because I saw a copy of The Return at Hard Off with Kazu last week, and it was, like, literally $200. Oh, that's cool. There's, like, Japanese subtitles and everything. I know. So I, wow. almo- I really almost bought it, but I, I didn't. Yeah, I'm really excited. I just talked with Saki, and hopefully we can watch the pilot. Yeah. I think she's going to like it. Yeah, I think so, too. Because she likes tr- crime investigations, and, like... Yeah. She, she doesn't like horror, per se, but she likes, like... She, she loved, like, Mindhunter. Uh-huh. And she's a little ampre- apprehensive to watch uh, Silence of the Lambs, and but I know she'd love that, too. I I think she'll like Twin Peaks a lot when she Definitely. watches it. Because she also likes all of those, like, girly dramas, you know? Like, she likes, like, <laughs> yeah. Sex in the City and stuff. That's true. And I feel like there's a similar tone into some of Twin Peaks that, like, exists in it's, a lot of those shows. It's got that 90s daytime soap feel. Yeah. With, I don't know, all the drama kind of... It's It's either, like, overacted or it's, like... I mean, it's a soap opera. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a soap opera in a like a horror SF kind of setting. Right. Know? Yeah. No, that's exactly correct. I just when I started watching it again for the first time, and like seeing it with like new eyes, I feel like I was like seeing so much stuff that I like would have never seen when I was like younger and like less exposed to art. You know, like. I, I feel like I hadn't really had my true exposure to culture when I had been trying to watch it the first time. And then when I started going back through it again, I started seeing that it references and exists in this universe of so much media. And even if it's not like directly referencing a lot of stuff, it just like feels like so tonally inherited from other art, you know? Right, right. That I just feel like... I wouldn't have been able to get it until I got older and had seen more shit. Well, I'm the same way. Like, I think I, I saw the pilot in a few episodes in high school. It was, uh-huh. like, my first experience. And I remember thinking it was okay. That's but, what I was like, I thought it was then, okay, too. I was but, like, it's okay. But back then, too, like, it was, I don't know. I wasn't pretentious. It was the opposite of pretentious, I guess. Like, I just, I wanted things to be three acts, you know? Yeah. I wanted to do, I wanted things to be what I studied in, like, drama class and film school, like... I was like, oh, this is how it's supposed to be. And then this thing wasn't quite that. Yeah. Like, just maybe the pilot, and then after that, it starts slowly going further and further from the rails and yeah. until we get to the 2020s and the new season, and then it's gone. Right. And now that, you know, I've, I've experienced a lot more, like, avant-garde and all sorts of different, you know, artistic expressions in film and foreign films over the last 20 years since mm-hmm. high school, almost, it's like, 16 years since I graduated high school. Like, jumping back into the show has, like, been a treat. It's been a different, completely different experience. Completely different. And yeah. I basically, when I started watching it, and I, I watched the first two seasons on my own, and then 
I encouraged you to watch through the end of the second season, right? Right, that's right. Because I think you had seen up until the end of the second season, yeah? I, I had, I had. Yeah. Right. And so we kind of were talking about it because our friend Ivy. She, yeah, she's a big fan. She's a big fan. And she moved to town, what, a year, two years ago? Two years ago. Two years ago. Our producer, Wilson, is uh, he gave me the finger for two over yeah, here. Yeah, they, they work in the same office, so... It, yeah. She she was she's a huge fan and brought it up a lot and so she kind of inspired me to like get back into it and um, when we both had like rewatched up to season two we decided to start watching it together because you hadn't seen or even heard of Fire Walk with me before. No, I, I'm just so out of the fan atmosphere. Right, like, I have I had no idea these things existed. Yeah. So then we ended up watch. We we caught up to season two, and then we watched all of Fire Walk with Me, and we watched um, all of the Return together. We watched one or two episodes every week for about three months, and got through the whole series with yeah. our friend Ivy, who we rewatched it with. And now it's July. We've seen the whole series, and watching it with another person, and like seeing it, like kind of like in the originally intended form of like, uh, you weekly. know, yeah, the the serialized like weekly format. I. I have a really strong emotional connection with it now, and basically, since watching Twin Peaks, my entire worldview is like I keep seeing literally everything around me is like little Twin Peaks esque things. I mean, it's understandable because we're fucking with like alternate dimensions and things like that. Mm -hmm. and anything with that always makes me kind of perceive the world a little differently. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, especially after the ending, which we won't talk about until later. <laughs> I assume, but yeah, yeah. No, we're gonna go through the entire show yeah. together. But I mean, just the experience of of watching it with you and Ivy, like two really dear friends, and like having to share like the emotional reaction of it. And I mean, like we would drink a little bit with every episode, and like oh yeah, having to reconcile with some of the shit that happens in the return, and like some of the absolute like horror and like objection of it. I mean. Right. I'm so lucky and happy that I got to watch it with someone else and like get to sit with them and, and talk about it every week because I feel like a lot of people probably just like turn the show on on their computer as they do like a lot of you know contemporary television they just put it on you know they just binge it yeah and I mean to have to watch it in sequences and feel every episode and they like, have to anticipate and think about what happened every week like. It was I mean, it was a really major part of my emotional reality for the last several yeah, months. I mean, it kind of makes me appreciate, like, the big popular shows that I never watched. Mm -hmm. But I know that, like, people waited for, like, those Game of Thrones or whatever, the Breaking Bad, to come out. Right. And then they got together and watched it. Like, it was a big deal every week. Mm -hmm. And I kind of miss that. Like, I can't think of any shows where that really exists unless you force yourself to do it like we did. And it worked. It was fun. I yeah. mean, I, I'm sure I would have also, like, felt really seriously about it if I had binged it or whatever. But having not done that, I, I'm i never going to forget, like, watching it with, like, you two. Right, right. And, I mean, we made a, we all kind of understood together that, like, we were watching something major. And even though Ivy had seen it, I, I feel like she it's was... It's like her third time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like something even like she that. kind of, like, realized that it was, like kind of a big thing that we were doing together, you know, to commit to a single piece of art and yeah. not interrupt it. I mean, we missed the finale and we had to reschedule it because it had a job interview. Oh yeah. That, that was, was kind it. of sudden. Yeah. Yeah. But then 
the rest of it. It was every week. Like, we were committed to this. And, like, you know, the routine and, like, schedule of, like, putting ourselves up to this. Like, honestly, like, very unsettling and unfriendly and, like, not easy to watch piece of art every week. Because, you know, we also watch Joe Bob together every week. Oh, yeah, yeah. We love that. So. Yeah. And, I mean, Joe Bob is, is easy to watch in comparison to, like, The Return. Well, plus, I mean, it's it's different every week. It's, right. You know, it's like watching an anthology more or... I mean, it's a different movie. Yeah. So. Because it's like when you watch like, you know, Joe Bob, it's like we kind of watch it as like a joke and like to like laugh and enjoy each other's company. But like with Twin Peaks, like we were really like sitting down and like watching the show to like appreciate and understand it. And I feel like no one does that with anything anymore. Like especially with COVID and like the theater experience being eradicated. It's like it's been so impossible in recent memory for anyone to like really just like sit and register a single piece of art. Yeah. That's true. So doing it with you and then making the big occasion of like making the apple pie and the cherry pie. <laughs> that, was, that was the finale. <laughs> the, the, uh, the sword of cherry pie, you mean. We, we <laughs> this sort of cherry pie. Yeah, because uh, we were so committed to like really yeah, we going had all the way out. this whole idea. We, we came up with a couple weeks before. We were like, all right, the finale. We're going to eat the things that are in Twin Peaks and we're going to drink coffee and we're going to do a finale and... It kind of worked. It was good. It was fun. I mean, yeah, because I made James from Tokyo, former guest of the show. Like, I made him send us David Lynch coffee from Tokyo. Yeah. Like, we really went all out. We fucking baked these apple and cherry pies in the fucking microwave oven. Insane. Yeah, I mean, like, well, our, our microwave ovens are actual ovens, too. Like, w the Japanese ovens, microwaves yeah. have all these settings. <laughs> They're pretty wild. So you can put metal in your microwave. It's a little scary to do, but you can do it. Yeah, and we, we fucking made those pies, and then after we had cooked the cherry pie, after it was, like, baked all the way through, John took a bite and realized that the candied cherries actually still had pits in them. Yeah, I've never experienced that in my life. I've bought, like, maraschino or candied cherries, like, a million times back home. Like, okay, like, enough. And, yeah, they, they're always pitted. Right. Like, why Why did I bite on this in this piece of pie and almost <laughs> lose a tooth? But that was, it, it made a fun experience. It was just kind of good comedy. We also used salted yeah. butter, and the pie oh, was yeah. really salty. Yeah, it was salty. I mean, it, it kind of worked with the apple pie, though. It was like the salty <laughs> sweet, right? It's like chocolate-covered pretzels. Ivy was not having it. Like she oh, ate get the, out of here. I loved it. I love the pie, too. Because, we. I mean, I haven't made a pie before. It was made with love, and we, we it's our first time making a pie from scratch. We didn't even buy the crust. No. Because so. you can't fucking buy crusts here. No one's making pie in Japan. All right, all right, I'm breaking a, a seal here. Okay, we, I have and to order a order drink, drinks. too. Yeah, yeah so yeah. You go to the bathroom. What do you want to drink? Not whiskey straight, like we're drinking it. I mean, that that's done. That was a lot. Do you want, like, a beer next or what? Give me a Moscow Mule. A Moscow Mule? Yes. Okay, Sounds Wilson, good. what do you want? You're good? I don't know what I want, though. What, what should I get? Like, what should I get? Moscow Mule is like vodka and like some like tonic, maybe. I don't actually know off the top of my head what it's like made with. Okay, um, he's gonna get a Moscow Mule. I'm gonna get a what? A whiskey Coke. What about that? Okay. I think that's good too. Sima san. Moscow Mule to whiskey Coke, Onegaishimasu. 
あ、ウイスキーコック2つあ、ウイスキーコック2つあ、ウイスキーコック2つあ、ウイスキーコック2つあ、ウイスキーコック2つあ、ウイスはい。Everyone gets it at this point. So now we're going to actually talk about the show. And the way we're going to do this is we're going to talk about the entire series. We're going to do seasons one、oh、and two.、Boy. We're going to do Fire Walk with Me. I think we'll address Missing Pieces, which is the sort of、uh, compilation movie that was more recently released that has a lot of stuff cut from Fire Walk with Me. Yeah, it's the cutting room floor. And then. Uh, we're going to get really deep into the return. So, everyone now kind of understands my emotional reality going into this. And I,、um, especially towards the end of it, as I realized I was going to be changing jobs and you know, potentially like, leaving you know, my friends、mm-hmm. here,、uh, I think everyone kind of understands like, the emotional stakes that were <laughs> at hand for me as I was getting into this. So, oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Season one. Okay, so John, you said you watched this originally in high school.、Uh, yeah, not, not the full season.、Um, it's, it's a little more complicated than that. I did the pilot、oh, in, I think, a couple episodes I saw in high school. Moscow Mute. And. Wissy Koku, Wissy Koku, Moscow Mute. Moscow Mute. Yeah,、um, do you know the, the game Alan Wake? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because、oh, that referenced Silent, Silent Hill a lot. Yeah, and、That's、a lot of people、it. said, hey, that game's like Twin Peaks. And I was like, what the fuck is that? Oh, yeah, I watched some of that. And that、right. was kind of interesting. So that was when streaming was kind of kicking in. Because、uh-huh. when I was in high school, streaming wasn't a thing yet. Like, as far as Netflix, like, yeah, we were still sending movies in the mail. So then I watched it on a, a streaming. I don't remember what it was that had it, but I watched all of season one for the first time, like, straight through. And I thought, yeah, it was pretty good. But. Now I like it a lot more. It didn't, it didn't quite like, click with you when you first yeah, yeah, watched it. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, I was also kind of interested. Oh, w- uh, Wilson just gave me a, a natural cigarette that he rolled himself while I'm still smoking my Marlboro Reds. But、um, I was introduced to it kind of because I had watched Silent Hill. I had、uh, been through Silent Hill. I'd watched the movie and like, played the games first. And well, there's a lot of inspiration there. Yeah, the Silent Hill games have taken so much inspiration for,、yeah. from Twin Peaks. So that was kind of my initial. Initiation and I would have had no idea, and I played through all the Silent Hills growing up. It makes sense. Now, yeah, it makes now, sense but, when you,、yeah. after having seen it, but w- I mean, there's no way to like, see、right. it if you, do, if you don't know what you're talking about, you know? Right, exactly. So, in brief summary, Twin Peaks is a show about the death of Laura Palmer,、mm-hmm. and the show follows、uh, Detective 
Dale Cooper. Right. With the FBI as he searches through this rural town in Washington and tries to uncover the killer. I mean, that's the, the premise of the show. Obviously, everybody knows that it's way more about the psychic emotionality of the town. It's about all of uh, the sort of like cultural overlays that are playing into people. Oh, Wilson wants to compai. Compai. The whiskey cup was a good choice. Oh, good Moscow meal. Yeah, you're switching to vodka now. Yep, I'm gonna be. <laughs> I'm gonna have a hangover probably. Yeah, tomorrow's gonna be rough. I have to do my Japanese lesson tomorrow too. Oh, do your best, Gambate. Gambate mas. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, that that's what Twin Peaks is. I mean, honestly, if you haven't watched it or like don't know what we're talking about, I'm like not gonna explain the show to you at this point. Like you should have just seen it, yeah. or like you can like listen and just like. Uh, my, my basic opinion about like spoilers and and yeah. this kind of stuff is that it's like honestly i had the end of uh the return spoiled for me and it didn't lessen the impact for me at all right and i i don't really care that much so people should just like listen and like hear about like art and like get exposed to it from this but nonetheless it's like I don't know. For for me, it's like if it's in the title and you don't want to be spoiled at all, just skip it. Or if you know, just just listen to it. If you don't have any intention of ever seeing it too, it's fine. Yeah. Like who or cares? Just who cares? Yeah. Like who cares? That's the whole thing. Every spoiler has never bothered me a whole lot. Like, right. Okay, so we rewatched season one of Twin Peaks. Now, I want to ask you what, like, really specifically, like, engaged you about the show. Because you said that season one is your favorite. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely the most straightforward overall. Right. But, um, you know, I mean, from the pilot, you, it's, it's almost like your typical, like, police procedural investigation kind of story, that first pilot. It doesn't go off the rails till like I think the third or fourth episode, and we've talked about this. But mm-hmm. the moment where I realized, oh wait, this isn't like what what have you like your your Silence of the Lambs kind of moment or anything. It's just it's it's not your typical criminal investigation. Is when they go into the woods to meet Cooper, the whole de- police department. Oh and they yeah. They set up the, the the goddamn whiteboard out or the chalkboard out in the the woods. And he's like, okay, well, this is how I'm deducing, you know, what we, where we go next. Right. And he sets up a bunch of glass bottles in the forest, and they start chucking rocks at him. And right now, I can't remember enough for the life of me, and this is going to be me the whole episode, so sorry, everyone. No, no, no. I mean, because that's but, fine, because, I mean, the point of my show is that we talk about the emotions that art produces, you know? like Exactly, yeah. I, Like, Because you can watch Twin Peaks. What, what was the deal with what he wrote on the blackboard again? Do you remember? It's like some like equation or something, and like he has like all these like little rules about and like interpreting dreams and what have you. Right, right. Anyway, they, they're like, okay, if if someone throws a rock and it breaks this bottle, we got it. Right. This is where we're going. Okay. I was like, all right, this makes absolutely zero sense, and I thought he was like a real FBI agent. No, oh, he is a real FBI agent, but in in this show. This is normal, it turns right. out, like, as it goes on. <laughs> no, because what I was thinking the entire time of that sequence, because that was also kind of the moment that I realized that Twin Peaks is, like, not something that's just what it is, you yeah, know? Yeah, we, we had the same moment of realization. Exactly, because I um, was watching the first few episodes in my boyfriend's apartment on my laptop, and I was paying pretty close attention, which is unusual for me in TV shows. 
Mm-hmm. And that scene came on, and I stopped everything I was doing. I put my phone down, and I was like, what is going on here? And it really is, like, this moment where you kind of start to see that the format of the show is, like, unraveling a little bit. He throws the rock, and it breaks the bottle, and they go, okay. And you immediately here. believe that he's right. And you go, oh, yeah, totally. I, it's because he's so likable, right? Right. Isn't that the whole thing with him? Like, I just, I just want to believe him. Dale Cooper, as played by Kyle MacLachlan, is, like, one of, like, the most, like, charismatic, like, friendly cinematic figures that's ever existed. And Ivy has mentioned this before and that she he's, like, kind of, like, a sex symbol for a lot of women because it's, like, he's so approachable and, like, mm-hmm. you know, masculine in a way that's, like, not offsetting. Yeah, and he's so straight. Like, like he has a beautiful young woman throwing herself at him, and he's like, oh, no, she's too young. I know, <laughs> like, which is fascinating like to one see. Of what most guys say is, like, one of the hottest women in the show at the, at the time. And he's Audrey, like, oh, yeah. yeah. He's like, yeah, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I remember watching the Audrey and Cooper stuff when it was, like, first kicking in. Yeah. I definitely identified with Audrey in that. Right. Because I have been on the, you know, receiving end of... Uh, an unrequited love, you know, so oh many times in my gay life that I was like, I, I, I especially love her act, acting. I wish I could remember the actress's name in this moment, but it's never going to happen. Yeah, yeah, she's great. She's wonderful. And I love like the, I mean, Audrey is like one of the most popular characters from the whole show. I mean, I get it. I mean, I get it because it's like she has like this glamour to her and this emotionality. And like as she's like being like rejected by someone while she's so beautiful. Right, right. Her dancing, her tumultuous relationship with her father, all of it is. And, uh, you well, know, plus when he rejects her, too, he like tells her she, how she's beautiful and everything, too. He's like, you know, he's so straight about it. He's like, I just can't. Which is, like, yeah, once again, something that has directly happened right. to me. I, you know, loved this bisexual man for so long. And he showered compliments on my beauty the entire time we were dating. And then it just ended one day because he said he can't. It was the same thing. So then I watched the show like two years later and I was like shocked. I was set aback because you don't see that kind of stuff in media ever. It's so unconventional. Right, right. Oh, only so easy. <laughs> I know, if it was only so easy. This is something about David Lynch generally, because I had seen Inland Empire before I went back into my Twin Peaks rewatch. Something I've seen you recommend over and over. N- nonstop. I'm waiting to, to do it still. I mean, yeah. I think it's good to leave some time between the return. Hey, and Laura Dern's there, so I'm I'm in. I okay, like, we'll get on to Laura Dern yeah. in the return, because I, I hate her. Right, right. But <laughs> Inland Empire, I know she's like the star of that, right? Right. So. But I... um. I just, uh, I, I really didn't understand David Lynch at all. Like, I had watched Mulholland Drive in college, and I thought it was annoying, and, like, it didn't make sense to me. But, like, like I said earlier... Like, I, I didn't like Eraserhead in high school. I didn't get it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't get any of it. I was like, what? what is the point of all of this? Like, this is unemotional, and it's, like, awkward and weird. But then, like, when you watch season one of Twin Peaks, like, all of the awkwardness and, like, the kind of, like, broken emotionality of it and the soap right. opera tone, all of it, like, makes it hyper real, actually. Yeah, it's it, it feels more real than like like a real down to earth more like grounded movie. Like No, totally. Like there's something about it that hits like it hits different, right? That's what they say. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, it hits different. It totally does. I can't explain like my my emotions, but I, every time I watch like an episode that goes off the rails. Right. 
I just get sucked into the visuals and everything else going on. And then after I'm like, what the fuck was that? Mm-hmm. And it, it's, I mean, it's true art. It's like his vision. And now you have to think about like, what is everything saying? No, that's exactly it. Right. And I think a lot of people try to watch Twin Peaks to like actively decode every little riddle that's in it or whatever. And he's even said like, it's not all decodable. Like it's, some of it is. It's just there, you yeah. know? And like, I, I find that just trying to read it for the riddle of it and like trying to like problem solve it is such like a scientific and like emotionless like cold way to watch it because yeah. when i was it watching it can be personal too it can hit you it's like extremely a personal yeah. if if you open up to it you know and that's like i think the truest way to watch it is just to sit with it and like feel it hit you in the heart when it does and the way that it attacks you is is so unconventional because you know no one would put the awkward kind of broken malfunctioning dialogue that exists here. I mean, we've up to this point we've barely talked about like anything, but like if we think about like Catherine, you know, as played by Piper Laurie from who plays uh, Carrie's mom, and okay. Piper Laurie as oh, Catherine it's is Carrie's the mom. Okay, yeah. yeah, she's the the logging right, right. woman. Yeah. That <laughs> her <laughs> her, I mean, it's like her whole thing is like this extreme soap opera where she's just like performing at like full force the whole time, and you're like asked to kind of like a, like take it as seriously as the death of Laura Palmer, which is like the, the death is taken so deathly seriously, and it's like all of the moments where they they spend the time in season one to like register like the after effects of her dying like the funeral or like when donna is like weeping in the all, classroom all the relationships and the boyfriends and the family and the everyone knows it's a small town everyone knows her yeah yeah it's like seeing it kind of like unfold in slow motion like all of like these moments where people are beginning to like panic and like actually have to like reconcile with death and they do it in the most like broken like cliched like way and if if you weren't you know privy to it you would just kind of think that the show is just like camp i think it sucks you'd probably think it's camp you know yeah yeah yeah. my parents would hate this probably (laughs) i mean that's how it is and i mean it's it's impossible to just like explain to someone it's like it's kind of the thing where like you watch it and you get it or you don't yeah yeah and I don't know, it's, it's kind of like a litmus test for me now because I, I feel like <laughs> anyone who's like seen the entirety of the show and they, they feel something after it, if they can feel something after it, then I know that there's someone who has their heart like open to art and culture. But if you just like watch it and be like, oh, like it's an interesting, you know, police procedural or like it's like a, it's like a, it's funny. If or you it's watch campy. all of this show and you say it's an interesting police procedural, <laughs> you are like lost, I think. I don't know, I don't know what you watched, but... <laughs> <laughs> After episode eight of the season three, if you, if it's a police procedural, I don't know. What. Well, that's something is that people kind of like got like toned into it from like the first like two right. seasons, which have like a very distinct you that's know energy true. to them, and it you know it's a lot of it is approachable. You know, I feel like season one and two are a little different though. They they feel different. For They're me. completely different. Yeah. I mean, they are doing the same thing but in different ways. And, and two starts to lean into the weird stuff a little more. Right as it goes. Right. Um, By the end of season one, what has happened? The murder is unsolved. We have been exposed to the Black Lodge for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God, I love the the whole place, the Black Lodge and the... All, all the girls and everything, right? Is that the place? Yeah. What, what? Oh, sorry, the Black sorry, Lodge. Sorry, Black Lodge is in the other world, right? The Black Lodge is the red curtain space. Sorry, sorry, yeah. The, the place north of the Canadian border yeah, is yeah. the 
the I'm brothel. thinking of there, yes. Or the brothel. What was its name? I don't remember. Oh, it's so big, too. What? <laughs> it had a name. <laughs> what was the name? <laughs> We're never going to remember. Anyway, yeah, that place is great, too. No, I mean, the Black Lodge, I love that, too, of course. That's, like, my favorite place in the show. Right. But, I mean, no, I completely agree, because I was super fascinated by the brothel stuff, too. Yeah, yeah. Especially because it's, like... The premise of the show is that that's we, where it like concludes, really. Right. In season one, yeah. Right. Is you know we have like the setup. It's like virginal Laura Palmer is you know yeah. actually a, a dirty you know conflicted whore the whole time, like that kind of thing. Yeah. And we we start to like learn about her worldview and like what she had been doing, and it was involved with this like prostitution ring and like all of these. I mean, she was like fucking everyone in Twin Peaks, basically. Well, and there's good tension too in that first season when they go there, because Audrey, when she goes there in the last like four or five episodes, right? Yeah. I'm in season one, right? Yeah. <laughs> it gets it gets really tense because yeah, that's that's kind of builds to the climax from that point. No, it's really tense. It's upsetting. I mean, now we live in a culture where like people are kind of just like you know, sex positivity has kind of like led to a moment where that kind of behavior would never be shocking anymore. But the show, like, really sees it in a bleak and, and disgusting way. Yeah, and sometimes it's funny, too. <laughs> Some of the kinks they, they show off. I mean, it is played for comedy, right? Like, in the end, a few few of those parts. There's no way to watch season one and, like, yeah. not to be, like, amused by it. Right, right. And I think that's the, the special thing about, like, David Lynch especially, is that, like, he does show like these like broken you know really upsetting things but like they're kind of like funny because they're so true yeah they're so yeah they're funny because they're true and they're funny because of how they did it <laughs> like like the acting everything yeah because like the whorehouse sequences and everything like um whoever is like the head mother of the house oh yeah know? well she's great she's amazing yeah she's with her fucking hair fuck yeah i feel like reminds me of the burlesque lady on the simpsons kind of <laughs> like she's just and she just runs the show, and yeah, she doesn't take any shit. No, not at all. Your drink's done, isn't it? Uh, my drink? I got a little bit. I mean, I, I'm almost done with mine. Okay, I can order one as soon as you're done with yours. All right. I'll wait, though. You want to yeah, take a swig of it? Yeah, I will do it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Did you finish it? Yep. Okay, so what are we going to drink next? Another yep. one of those? Um, what did you have? I had a whiskey Coke. Sure. Sure? Mm-hmm. Whiskey what, Coke. what about you? I got a beer. You get a beer? Beer. Okay. See you, Masa. Whiskey Coke, Futatsu, to Biru, That's not the correct conjugation. Anyone who actually speaks Japanese is going to be embarrassed for me for ordering the. Uh, not in the high version, but he, I can't be He bothered. understands, so. He's my friend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he knows us well. I just can't be bothered to... Co- I, I, I think I'm, like, doing protest art when I, like, refuse to conjugate it correctly and, like, use, like, the e like, you know, the e hai ni hai kind of stuff. I do refuse. e pai ni hai What? Huh? What did you say? It's not right. I said hitotsu for the drink. Oh, oh it's fine. But I mean, it's... Everyone says it, but I still feel like... You know, to be proper. No, but nobody would say bite. But maybe someone would, right? <laughs> Not the people I know. Okay, well then uh, I'm fine. Where we're good. <laughs> 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 this is the anxiety of going out in a bar in which you're not speaking your first language. Yeah, it's fine though. It's fun. 
Do you have a lot of preoccupations about like uh, seeming like uh, good at Japanese? Um, I do at work. I, I want to like sound right when I talk with the principal and things like that. But yeah, me too. Outside of that, I just don't care. If I can communicate, I'm happy. But I'm trying to to force everyone to be a little more strict on me. Yeah. Like like especially my soon to be wife. It'll be. <laughs> She, she's very lenient. I just say whatever, and she's like, yeah, okay. It's the same with me and everyone. I'm like, can you please, like, be mad at me when I'm, like, ho- like molesting your grammar? Like, please, like, say something. And, like, no one I mean, ever it does. It goes both ways, though. I have to, like, correct her a little more. She wants to improve as well with English. So. I could never correct Saki. I don't have the heart to do it. I know it's hard, right? It's really hard. It, it breaks me. I'm like, no. And then she's like, oh, thank you. I'm like, okay, yeah. <laughs> It's fine. I could never do it, and I never will. I'm never. I'll never have the the strength to be able to correct her because I love her. She's English. so much better than she thinks she is. That's her thing. Yeah, truly. I think that's anyone with their second language, for the most part. Like, I hope that's the same with me. I think it's funny because she says a lot of fucking, fucking. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah Saki loves yeah. to say fuck. Yeah, she likes to to say fucking this, fucking that. No, it's super cute. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I guess we should get on to season two. Yep. So season two is kind of the season that people start to hate the show. Because uh, Mark I, Frost... I um, get it and I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> well, because David Lynch, like, what, directed, like, two or, like, he directed the final episode and, like, almost nothing else for the whole season. He still wrote, like, almost everything, right? I don't think so. No? No. I have no idea. But regardless to me, I actually, like, I didn't notice a dip in quality, really. I mean... The show like diverts into bizarre. It's longer. It's like it's double, way longer. Right? It's double the uh-huh. length, and we have like the Miss Twin Peaks plotline. The murder is solved halfway through. There's a lot of stuff that's. Hey, arigato. Arigato oh mm. Good whiskey coke. The whiskey coke is a good choice for yeah. what we're doing. Anyway, yeah. I'm I mean, and then, so yeah, the murder is solved, and I mean, basically the way that it's solved is that they realize that Killer Bob, the sort of um, entity from the Black Lodge... Twin Peaks Season 2 has my second most disturbing moment. Oh. So. What's your first? The end that we saw together. Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll get we'll on to there. there. Yeah, but the, the second one was what? It's, it's, it's weird. No one else seems to have this one, but, like, there's, there's a scene where they, they have a shot of the this living room. It's like her living room and Bob is like crawling towards her slowly and it does it for like two minutes I swear to uh-huh. God he crawls like it has like one of those dividers between the kitchen and the living room where where he crawls like over the counter and then over the couch slowly towards you and the camera right and it really offset me <laughs> yeah I, I was watching on my little pro- on my projector right my cheapo projector mm-hmm. in my place and I like after I was watching. I got sucked in, and I paused it, and I did one of those shutters, like, Ugh, you know, and I I had to stop for like ten minutes, and I had to go <laughs> and chill and watch some YouTube or something. Yeah, else. I was like, that was really upsetting and weird. No, it upset me too. I was like really disturbed you know by the part th- I'm talking yep, about. I know exactly what it was because it's so sudden. He does it again. Like I think they replayed a part in in the Return or somewhere right. later where, but it wasn't from there. It was the same style, but it was like. In a room, he just came slowly towards us. Yeah. And that bothered me not near as much. The right. first time, 
really hit me. <laughs> I was like, ugh, I don't like this guy. Ugh, get away. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, the performance it was visceral. Is, it's very visceral. And I mean, that's kind of like why, you know, a lot of people like hate season two and think it's like worthless. And they think that it's just like soap opera gunk because like so much of it like sinks into like the relationship between Bobby. Oh, it's Bobby. Yeah, it's Bobby and right? Norma. I think it's her. Yeah, I. <laughs> we're okay. I'm glad I'm not the only one bad with the, the names. Names is impossible They're, for me. I mean, the t- I mean, I just I remember the, like, them going through like their soap opera romance and everyone being like, I don't care about that, and like I didn't care either. But for all of that, like there was all this stuff like Cooper getting his like uh um his FBI stuff getting revoked, and like I thought that the second season actually has like a lot more like avant garde like plot stuff going on. There's like the chess murders and like people being put into chess pieces. I think of the second season as the the plant guy. <laughs> That's what oh, I think of yeah. more than anything. Yeah, the guy who Laura gives her diary entries and to, the, right? And the cousin. I think his name is Tommy. What, what's a, what's her cousin's name? She's the main part of season two. Like oh, a big part. oh, I have it written down on my notes. Here, let's let's get that in there. It's drum roll, please. <laughs> I still can't find it. I literally highlighted it because I knew we were gonna have to. We're gonna get to this point where I can't remember her name. <laughs> Maddie. Maddie. Okay. <laughs> it's impossible to remember all the character names in this show. Also, yeah. Maddie just like evaporates like halfway through season two. Yeah, and she's like she she's like the second most important thing in the first half, right? Like right. She's the main. You, you follow her a lot outside of Coop. Right, because she. I mean, she's really prevalent at the end of season one as well, right? When yeah. she's like um, helping, like you know, with the. Uh, um, the the therapist, okay, that okay. guy. She's you know she's very involved in that plot line, and uh, I I love the casting of that because it is so like soap opera esque to like just like right. put the dead girl like in the role of like her distant cousin who looks exactly like her with brunette hair. And all of all of the little jokes and stuff with that are all fun too. Yeah. With like oh you look just like her oh yeah and then I'm in love with her or whatever yeah. Wilson, I'm giving up on your hand-rolled cigarette. It's not working for me. It's not lighting fast enough. The hand-rolled cigarettes are a failure. The ha- I mean, they're good, but like they just go out so fast. I need my Marlboros that never go out no matter what I do. Oh, yeah, yeah. Something about season one and season two is that there's a kind of a cute element to it, you know? There's like the pie stuff and the coffee stuff and like... <laughs> yeah, the music, like Lucy, like all. There's a lot of like cuteness to it that makes it like very approachable. I think, right? Especially in season two, like with the Miss Twin Peaks stuff. Like, I think all of it has like a, a more network TV feel to it. But in like doing the network TV thing, it, it does feel like really uncomfortable, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the show hooks anyone easily. I feel like it's just sticking with it. Right. Because, I mean, there there are moments in season two where it's like, I'm not, I don't care. It's like, we mentioned, like, the the soap opera romance stuff of it. And it's like, I'm not, like, that into it. Like, I don't really, like, buy into these people's, like, relationships. Or, like, uh, James and all of his drama, little bike guy. Oh, right, right, right. There's just, like, so many, like, uh, stray romances that are, like... uh, Who cares? (laughs) Yeah. It's like, who cares? But it's like... 
I kind of love that they're there because like, it is so like 90s network TV, you know? Oh, yeah. You get all your soap opera feels out of that. Exactly. So it's like you like watch like all these people like in like these exaggerated, like malfunctioning, uninteresting roles. And it's like even when like you're not like buying into it or like caring about them, I think it's like still like good art, you know? Oh, definitely. Agreed 100%. I don't know. I think people like really like hate season two, and I like I just literally could not fathom why when I was watching it because I just was like, this is a natural network extension of what the first season was. Yeah, you can you can put it like a little lower maybe, but not hating it, it's kind of weird. It's, it feels the same to me. Yeah, like it feels exactly. I literally did not feel, it. and maybe that means I'm like bad at interpreting Twin Peaks or something like. People get really serious about this kind of stuff, but it was like I was like still getting the same emotional feel, and it was like when I was like watching season two, I would like put it on to like go exist in the Twin Peaks like world, you know. And it wasn't so much about like the plot or like getting like what's going on with like this chess piece murderer thing. It was like, oh, like I'm consistently getting the same tone. I'm getting like uncomfortable by like these soap opera emotions that are like malfunctioning and bizarre and like not working. And it's been the same since the start of the show. And when it when the disturbing moments hit, they hit just as hard. Like it's great, yeah, some especially of the, the end. I mean, to think about the, the, some of the stuff was like airing on like '90s, you know, network TV I is can't unbelievable. Believe this is like '92 because it's. I mean, it's pretty normal, but to to a point, it, it jumps off the the edge and. Especially the end, it just goes so crazy. Like, yeah, I can't believe my grandma watched the show. Like, that that makes no sense to me whatsoever. One of my friends, <laughs> Jack, 92? from the yeah. Perfume Nationalist, is like a, a devoted fan of the show and has talked about it on his show really articulately. And he he watched the return season with his parents, who had watched the original season before. And I can just I cannot just they I can't just jumped it. into the return. They just watched the return because I mean. Like we said, like season one and two are like vaguely network even, even for hard fans, I could see them like not getting into the return, you know? Yeah, like, for sure. Because I mean, I, I liked it almost more, like mm-hmm. definitely more than two, but they're they're close. The return in season one, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll share my whole thought about yeah. the return when we get there, but I mean. It's just shocking to think that people were like even engaging with this like stuff in the '90s, and it's like you could never put something so awkward and, and bizarre on TV now. Like, I don't watch any contemporary TV except for like Rick and Morty. You know what? That's about <laughs> as bizarre and close to Twin Peaks as you could get. Yeah, and I, and I mean, even like Rick and Morty is like breaking apart at the seams now because they're like devoting so much to like these like, kind of like liberal ideas of like. I don't know, like, I, we both watched the episode that has, like, the, the Morty love plot or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I, the second episode was good, though. The second episode was great. I mean, so, I will always watch Rick and Morty because it's, like, aware content. It's, like, it's aware and, like, kind of, like, disgusted by the contemporary moment, so that's good enough for me. Yeah, I don't want to make it a podcast about that, but... No, but... <laughs> like, like, Rick and Morty gave me hope for, like, every generation. Like, everyone mm-hmm. seems to get into it. Yeah. It makes crazy wild zero cents sometimes or it's just how you perceive it it's fun and i mean it's very easy to be like oh it's like this like you know nihilistic show but you know it's 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 like real art it's it's it is and they try hard for their medium which is like an adult swim animated 22 minute tv show so it's like i i see them trying to communicate something to say something and that's enough for me because i don't know 
I, the last like mainstream TV show that was like airing was like the leftovers on the HBO. That yeah, it's not the next Chernobyl or I just whatever. The you HBO, have. by the way, which is really yeah. weird. The HBO. I'm, I'm not throwing shade at those kind of shows, but I'm just saying like they're just so straightforward and you don't have to think about it. It's telling you everything you need to know. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's that's because it's the YouTube thing, you know. It's like right. everyone watches YouTube because it's a concentrated information delivered very quickly. You know, YouTube is. Uh, my friend described it the best. It's uh, potato chips for your brain. Yep. It's exactly that. And I mean, I love potato chips, so I and love I YouTube. Do. Yeah, it's easy to digest. I put it on. I'm like, YouTube, easy to watch. I'm getting it, you know. It's background noise, but it's like, not only is it just YouTube, it's like TV shows now. Like, there's no way that anything that would happen on Twin Peaks Season 2 even like, could exist anywhere right now. Nothing could be so uncomfortable and disgusting. Right, right. I mean, because people hate on it and think that it's not as, like, avant-garde as, like, season one or the rest of the series. But, like, the chess piece stuff, like, actually, like, disgusted oh, yeah. me. Or Josie Packard's death when she gets turned into a fucking doorknob. <laughs> I forgot about that. I did not because I watched oh. that sitting on my couch and it really freaked me the fuck out. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, I love her, too. She's great. Josie's amazing. You know, the full first season, yeah. Because, I mean, she's, like, kind of the, the 90s, like, a fear of people having of encroaching Asians, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah okay. Because okay. people were very afraid of Japanese people coming in and, like, eating all of America. And they just put a Chinese actress in the role, basically. You but know what? They, like, they really set her up well. Like, I remember, like, the first, in season one, like, even Cooper's like, hey, you got the hottest girl in town. I, I, we didn't talk about this. I love this part about Cooper more than anything. Uh-huh. Is how he just knows everyone's relationships on like a look or like he, he's just so good at like his detective like deducing like he can just figure out anything like, right he knows everyone's relationships like in a second <laughs> do you remember this no yeah, yeah, he, yeah he gets it immediately and it's like he's like oh so you've been seeing that? And he's like how do you know he's like i don't know just the feeling <laughs> i feel like cooper is a good proxy for like the viewer in the show yeah, yeah. because it's like the viewers know immediately what's going on from like the looks and stuff and like in TV how medium, people can't get it. You know, they don't see it. The characters never see it. But like Cooper always does. Yeah, he's like, how long you been seeing so and so? I don't know, like five months. Uh, I thought six months or you know. Yeah. It's like. Okay, so season two ends with um, one of my favorite episodes of TV of all time. Mm-hmm. Annie, who is a character like what recently introduced in the end of the season, they they both go yeah. to the Black Lodge to kind of like do the rest of the the murder solving together. Right. And um, there's, it's a very extended sequence of, of Cooper in the, in the Black Lodge. And I, like we were talking about earlier, it would be shocking to see this, especially after season two. And, like, it makes a lot of the stupid soap opera, like, dumb, whatever, like, broken stuff of the season especially worthwhile. Because people who were, like, trained to watching the show and they had kind of got a feel for it in its second season, to have to go through the finale would be in peril. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. It's a really upsetting episode. It, it's it's up there, yeah. It's my third, <laughs> my third most upsetting <laughs> moment. Yeah, <laughs> is in the the finale of season two. And I mean, we both had the foresight to you know realize that the show would continue thereafter. Right. So I I you know I I thought something would come from this, but to be left like that for like how, two decades. How many people died and never knew what happened? Like a lot, because <laughs> it ends with Cooper kind of smashing his face. Like everyone realized. 
you know, ever, anyone who's listened to this and hasn't seen the show has like no idea what's going on. But he's been replaced by his uh, doppelganger, basically. Yeah, and oh man, is that a great moment? Oh, it's amazing, and it's especially good with the missing pieces. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, they they revisit it a little. Yeah, and yeah. they show a little bit more of it, and uh, I mean. It's upsetting because, you know, especially since they're so trained to watching Cooper in this mode where he's, like, really a hero and, like, the failless person. Like, he doesn't miss stuff ever. And he's such a – someone you want to root for. To see him turned into, like, an evil, broken mirror, nightmare figure at the very end of the show laughing at, like, this peril, it's, like – it's amazing. Yeah, it's great. And, oh, man, with the mirror – the mirror. You gotta bring up the mirror, right? Just in his room, too. Yep. Oh, man. Smashes his head into it. <laughs> oh, and we also have the really good stuff of Audrey becoming an um, ecological environmentalist. I didn't say a word there. Oh, I forgot all about that. She's like an activist, and then she like chains oh, herself weird, yeah. to a bank. W- Fuck me, yeah. <laughs> There's oh, so my much God. Th- I mean... This show is so dense and, like... I don't know how to explain. No, like, I know, I know, because yeah. it's like I don't. I think it's worthless to try to describe the plot because it's like, what did you feel like when you were watching the end? You felt upset, like you felt disturbed. That's all that really matters. Because it's like you can go and like deduce every little thing and like sort out all the plot lines and like read the. All right, all right. I had a thought right now. Okay. So like, all of our like we we love horror, right? All of our favorite horror movies end upsetting almost, mm-hmm. or like. Like you're at a loss, or there's no conclusion. Yeah. Twin Peaks is not really horror, I feel like, but it, the ending feels like the worst it's ending of a horror movie you've ever seen. Yeah, because you have to imagine that it ends right there. And mm. what do you get? You get the only truly good person, because the, the entire plot of the show is all these like malfunctioning, horrible people that are, like are broken and like not being their truest moral selves, which is which is human humans. Humans, it's, it's it's they're just people, right? And to see the only good Pragan like ruined and turned into the the mirror breaking monster. Yeah. It's true horror. Michael Myers got up and walked away. I also wanted and to just, it rolled um, the credits. <laughs> no, like literally. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, they didn't even Fucked like pretend up. to kill him. They just like let him walk away. Yeah, that's, that's Twin Peaks. The only other thing I want to talk about season two is that Nadine gets superpowers after her amnesia. Mm-hmm. I love that. Oh yeah, yeah, Nadine. Yeah. Nadine with the eye patch, she starts just like punching she's, people. She's so great in the third, in the she's third season. Um, I have to pee. I want to get another drink. Yeah, in a I'm second. Gonna, I'll, I'll, I'll take a break after. Yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna put the mic down. I'll, I'll let John chat with Wilson while I pee, and then we'll come back and. Oh, this is gonna be a disaster. All no. right. <laughs> it's all good. Everything's good. We're just, we're just speaking. Right, Wilson? Should I talk in the mic? So we yeah, yeah, yeah just hey, Wilson. Hey, John. Shit, I almost spilled the drink on the... So this is what happened. The table I leaned my elbow on, yeah. it lifted Zach's drink and almost spilled it on the equipment and ruined everything. It would be a disaster. It would be a disaster, yeah. But it didn't happen, so we're here. <laughs> anyway, I guess uh, Wilson and I, we're going camping soon, so that's fun. That's going to be great. Yeah, I can't wait. Wilson reserved a place in a place south of here, Isashima. You've been there, didn't you? I've never been to Shima. The beach there is one of the best I've ever been. Oh, I, I hope the weather's good. This rainy season is kind of garbage, huh? It would, be, it would suck. 
Yeah. No, Camping in the Rain. Which uh, sounds like hell. No. Our friend Kent is a professional camper, though. He's coming. And so. I'm getting my vaccine just before the camping. And I, I, I'm a little afraid of the side effects, you know? Oh, no. Because I'm getting the v vaccine on day 17. Yeah, yeah. And then we're going on 19. Okay. But I hope the side effects are okay. M my they mom had none. My dad had none. Yeah. What I think my nephew got a little sick. Yeah. The problem is like all people say like one of the worst side effects is like the your arm like hurts for like. Oh well, that's like normal with most vaccines. Like yeah, your but arm I, hurting. I'm, I'm stupid and I got a fucking manual car and then oh. I have to drive that shit for oh. like two, two and Maybe a half you get hours. in your right shoulder. Or Zach can change the, the gears for me. Oh, I said there's a girl here, which is unusual. Yeah. Never seen a girl here. Alright, I'm going. Except for <laughs> Ivy. <laughs> yeah, Ivy. I, you've never seen a single girl here? I've seen plenty. I never. No, they usually come like with one guy or something. Uh, that, yeah, that would be reasonable. Yeah, it's open. <laughs> we've been talking about the camping. The camping? You were talking about it? Yeah. What did you say? That I'm going to take the, the vaccine two days before, and I hope the side effects... No, I think it's only like a day. Or, yeah, it's like just a day, right? It, wait, it's the first one, right? I don't even think... Yeah, they say the second one is worse. The second one is the one that has a lot. But I'm happy to get the vaccine. And I'm going to drink as fuck because I'm... I'm I think you're not supposed to drink immediately after. I think you have to wait. I have two days. Like, I, I'm going to take the vaccine on 17 and camp on 19, so it should be okay. I don't think I'm going to get the vaccine before I move. Because you're not fat. Haha. <laughs> yeah, but you have a high enough BMI count, apparently. Yeah, because I'm, I'm fat. You don't look fat. You know, people... Well, maybe they will cancel me for that, but I'm not famous, so I don't care. I don't think anyone is going to have any idea who you are. Fuck them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody says, like, you got a high BMI instead of saying fat. I'm okay just saying fat. Okay, so you're saying you're fat, so it's good to get the vaccine. Yeah. Well, there you have it. It's just a shorter word. Yeah. But say, oh, somebody might, they can vaccine too because, you know, they, they got it because they got a higher BMI. Well, they're fat. <laughs> I don't need to say the names. <laughs> we know we know the people. I know exactly. I know a specific girl who you, well, not a girl. I, I didn't say about. anybody. You're not saying anyone. It's fine. It's okay it's okay to be fat and get a It's okay to be fat? Yeah, it's great to be fat. I don't know why fat people hate the word fat. Not that every fat people I, no, hate I the word fat. No, I think a lot of fat people don't mind actually. Yeah. Oh. If you're fat and don't assume you're fat, you're an asshole. John's ordering another drink. <laughs> What did you get? Moscow meal. Moscow meal and a pizza. Wait, you oh, want I a want pizza? a pizza too, man. Oh, we well, better order one right now. Oh, uh, you want to? Can we all? Sh wait, I want some too, though. Okay, okay. We'll no, just have a good. slice each. This is your mic, John. Yeah, yeah. I ordered a pizza and a Moscow meal. Okay, Wilson's taking a break to go order a second pizza, I guess. So maybe two pizzas. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Okay, so we, we've made it um, halfway. No, just two is fine. Wait, you're, wait, are you ordering one? Yeah, of course. Okay, so two is definitely more than enough. <laughs> <laughs> we, we had a pretty big dinner. 
I mean, yeah, but I can still eat the pizza. But I, yeah, I'm getting drunker, so I need food. I'm, like, getting drunk for sure. <laughs> okay, you get two pizzas. Well, no, John ordered... I don't think we need two more. I eat whatever you don't eat. Okay, then order two pizzas, but you have to pay for the second pizza if you want it that bad. <laughs> All right, fine. It's fine. All right. Okay, we're getting a second pizza. Okay, so now we're going to talk about uh, Fire Walk With Me. Oh, that was that was a good time. So Fire Walk With Me was hated when it came out. You know that? I didn't know that. It was loathed. People thought it was completely a bit... What? You, wait, you, you buy three pizzas? No, but he already bought one. Well, I think that's assumed. <laughs> right. uh, okay, so we have three pizzas coming, I guess. All right, great. Anyway, fire walk with me. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about fire walk <laughs> with the fire cooked pizzas. Or yeah. probably not. No, 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 no. Uh, microwave. Microwave, <laughs> <laughs> babe. Yeah. Okay, so fire walk was maligned and hated when it came out. And I, when I watched it, I was like, there is no way that Twin Peaks can get better than this. Because the the show, sorry, the movie is a completely alienating, upsetting, and distressing kind of. Wilson, put your other earbud in. You're still my producer. You can't just like quit the job. <laughs> Fuck you. Arigato gozaimasu. Okay, for the. Th- okay, so for the third time, firewalk with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey. It's good uh, listening. No, it's amazing listening. I don't. What do I have to say about this? We watched it together. Yeah. And I was convinced it was the best thing that like, Twin Peaks could ever be. That's what Twin Peaks people really say. Yeah. Right. Because when I was watching it, I felt that it gave the emotional element to Laura Palmer. It created her world and gave me like her entire emotionality and what her actual like emotional existence is. Is like this uh, icon of like beauty and grace and beloved by everyone, just molested and betrayed and destroyed by the world. A hundred percent. But before that, I, I, I have a theory on why it works so well. Okay. For the Twin Peaks people, not for every other casual person. Sure. But watching this for the first time with you guys, uh-huh. it doesn't give you all that stuff you want right away. No, it gives you it nothing. Takes a long no, it doesn't time. give it literally gives you nothing at all when it starts. And when you go to Twin Peaks, finally, it hits you with that music and Laura Palmer's oh. walking outside almost like like Laurie Strode and her friends. <laughs> like, it's just three girls or two girls. I don't remember. Right. It, it's her and Donna. Out on the so- sidewalk, they're walking around. Yep. Hits you with the theme music right then. And you're in Twin Peaks and you're, you realize, oh... I'm going to see what goes down. Yeah. For the first time. No, for sure. No, for sure. And it's like halfway through the movie almost, right? It, it's, it's, like, it's a full hour into the movie. Yeah. And I. It's great. Because the first hour is it's sort of like convexing drama about one of the other Washington dead people. And it's great, though. It's amazing. It's all really good stuff. We get David stuff. Bowie, right? Yeah, we get David Bowie as Philip so Jeffries. Fun. Yeah, yeah. And um, I just have to say that like uh, when we were watching this. And the Twin Peaks music came on after the hour. It hadn't even been that long since I finished season two. It had been like three weeks or something. But then we go and see Laura doing coke lines, you know, compai. We see her doing her lines of coke in, oh, the, yeah. in the bathroom. I cried. I cried three times watching Twin Peaks with, with you and Ivy. And that was the first time. Because 
you know what's going to happen to her. And you see this beautiful, pure soul that is just nothing but the essence of art and beauty. And you see her doing that line of coke in the, in the bathroom, and you're like, oh, my God, the world is over. It's very apocalyptic she, to she see it happening. She represents the world, I feel like. No, yeah. she does. She represents us. Yeah, Laura, to me, represents everything that's like true and beautiful. It's, it's just humanity and all of our faults and all of our greatnesses, everything good and evil. Because she's not a perfect figure. And, you know, she's presented as a perfect one for the first few episodes of the first season. And then as you get to know right. the story more, she gets, like, worse and, and more human as it goes on. And so then getting to actually, like, see her live in that humanity, it's crazy because you feel like you've known her for the whole time. You know, before you start entering that movie, it's like you already know who she is when you enter it. And to see her... In such dire circumstances, it's truly immediately heartbreaking. Right. I mean, I feel so strongly about this now, and I'm not even a diehard fan. I could almost see getting, like, a tattoo of her. <laughs> like, the, the picture. Like Oh, I thought about it a million times. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I it's go- really I Google search, like, Laura Palmer tattoo, because I was like, I kind of want one. And I, just, I was like, I don't oh, how many people one. have that, though? And it's so many. And they <laughs> yeah. all get the meanwhile one, when she puts her hands yeah. and goes, meanwhile, wow! No, no. But I, I wouldn't do that. You wouldn't do that. <laughs> but I just, um, seeing her in her element, especially in that one opening scene of her doing the Lori Palmer. What, just, what just, did I just say? I was trying to say Lori Stroder. What's her name? It's I fucked you up on that because I brought that up a couple <laughs> times. <laughs> you did. No, I, it no, was I a wa- good comparison. No, I, it's a great comparison. I wanted to make the comparison, but now, wait, what's her name? Nani Nani Stroder? Lori Strode? Okay, Laurie Strode. Not Stroder. That's the name Almost. of a guy I gave a blowjob to in college. <laughs> Stroder. Stroder. <laughs> no. Just, just your high school girl. No, yeah. Like, seeing them do that kind of, like, classic horror bit as they're walking, it's so fucking upsetting. Yeah. Because you yeah. know everything that's about to happen. And then... And that's more believable than any of the classic horrors, too. Like, yeah. I mean, besides the stuff that comes later... But because we've seen so much yeah. of everything that's you know about to happen, so right. when we just like see her being a human being and walking around, it's genuinely disturbing. Yeah, it's it's the best prequel I've ever seen, probably. Absolutely, no doubt. And I mean, we get that amazing scene of her like contemplating her dirty life with Donna when she's on the couch. Oh, that's a great moment, and it pans up and to it's the so ceiling close and to her face. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah, I just. Seeing all of it happen in like slow motion before you on your projector screen in your apartment, I was like, I was floored. It's it's really special. <laughs> when was the last time that you saw like a movie or a TV series that just showed you such a broken, honest, genuine person that we both probably have met thousands of times in our lives? You know, these these. Mm, yeah. You don't think so? But definitely. Because I mean, it's yeah. like. Even just, like, my normie, like, roommate friends in college, it's, like, they all have, like, that grandiose emotion behind them. And I I just, the way that it gets abstracted into cinema and art recently is, like, you know, it's just through archetype and caricature. And she's, she's an archetype for sure. But because she's such an archetype, when she gets to that moment when we're just, like, looking at her face for, like, three minutes on the couch... She becomes such a human. It's genuinely ups- unsettling. It's it's what people like about uh, Walter White, I feel like, is the humanity. But now with this, it's a little bit more abstract, which lets you project yourself into it a little bit more. Do you feel like Laura Palmer? Sometimes. Yeah. I think, how can you not? 
When do you feel like Laura Palmer? <laughs> when do I feel like Laura Palmer? Oh, well, you hit me with a stumper there. I feel like Laura Palmer every fucking day. Every fucking day. Every fucking day, I feel like Laura Palmer. It's like I am walking to the train station, and like I see some trash on the garbage, and the Twin Peaks music starts playing in my head. I'm like, oh, I'm a doomed woman. <laughs> Uh, I think now that I'm getting married soon, I, I don't feel Laura Palmer as much, but before then, maybe every day. I could see it more when you... I don't know. I mean, I'm glad that this didn't resonate with me in college because I would have been so fucking annoying about it. <laughs> <laughs> like, I already am annoying about it because it's like every single day on Twitter, I'm like, <gasps> Twin Peaks. I'm like, I like post a picture of some garbage on the ground. I'm like, Twin Peaks, you know, but it's like... Because um, it, it's true. It's just so true. I, I, don't, I don't know how else to say it, but like seeing Laura Palmer and Fire Walk With Me is the most genuinely human role in a film I have seen in literally years. Oh, poor Hollywood just can't do it. They'll never do it again. David Lynch is like, I mean, he's a genius in casting, you know? Right. Because he casts people who aren't necessarily the quote, good, unquote, at acting. Like he casts people who are like kind of like... It's it's his characters who he sees. Right, he's he, like he, this is this person. He has a, an idea for someone. He finds the person act for or it. Not, it's fine. No, he just needs them to be there because their yeah. visual presence and the way they speak, even if it's totally broken, it, it works. And I'm not convinced that Lori. God Laura. damn it! You fucked me up with that yeah, fucking Laura. Halloween bit. Laura, <laughs> Laura Palmer's actress, whose name I can usually remember, but I'm too wasted now, so I cannot. Mm-hmm. I feel like she. Is probably a fine actress, but is she an incredible actress? No. I didn't write the name down on the list. I see you looking at it. It's not there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is fun, actually. I'm I'm really enjoying being drunk and just talking just about Screaming about it. Um, okay, one scene I want to talk about in Fire Walk With Me in particular is the sequence when she takes Donna to the bar. Okay, I mean, I knew this was coming. The pink room. It's, it's the best part. It the might be the best, best part in the whole fucking show. Well, I mean, why <laughs> do you think so? I'll ask you, because I have my reason, but why do you think so? I don't think anything has been focused on as long as that in the show. And it's it's so visceral, I felt like I was a part of the whole place. Yeah. Like, I was there. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, everyone's been to, like, a club almost, oh, okay, well. Everyone I know has been to, okay. like, a club. If someone you know hasn't been to a club, then it's, like, they're not even deserving to be recognized as people. Those are just, like, <laughs> floating blobs. That, that's not true, but, I mean, like... <laughs> it is true. Like, like... Saki has been to a club. Yeah, that's true. Because of me, I think. <laughs> I think that's it. <laughs> well... But anyway, like... Now she's not a blob person, right, so, so... anyway, she's not a blob. But you go into this place, and, like, the editing is so brilliant, where... We can't hear anything anyway. It's too loud it's because too of the loud. music. I mean, and we even had the subtitles on, and I still cannot remember a single thing that was said in that space. But I remember everything else. I remember, like, oh, man, it's just, yeah, the the whole thing, the cinematography, the, the following people mm-hmm. around, the weird goings-on, the, the sexual tensions. It's upsetting. I mean, I have been in this. I'm a gay man. Did you know that? Uh, not until just now, no. <laughs> I'm coming out. I'm gay. All right. <laughs> we, we just found out. Wilson's Wilson going, oh, hand. shit. <laughs> I'm shocked. He's, he's shocked. He's shocked. <laughs> You're gay. I mean, gotcha. 
But like yeah. I I know lore in that moment because I also seek out that extremity. It's like I want to go to the Twin Peaks bar. I want to mm-hmm. go to the Canadian border bar and I want to be in the most disgusting, revolting place possible and feel like my soul being ripped apart by other people. It's like there is a beauty to going to such a nasty horrific location in the world and like just like seeing like the absolute outer limits of human beings and i have never seen anything except for gaspar noe's climax that sees a oh part- that's a great comparison right i mean it's the, the party setting is is realized quite in a similar way right right and they're both disturbing and ultimately extremely true you you, you know what i think makes this a little bit more powerful for me than than the climax is the without the acid yeah climax could have just been a good time still yeah it could have been just but fun this is scary no matter what going in as laura palmer yeah doesn't matter who's on what it's still kind of a bad place yeah and the revealing of the tits like the endless cycling music the pink room and it's like oh the first pizza has come wilson why don't you get started on the first one yeah you, that's yours so so I'm fucking drunk, everyone. <laughs> oh, girl, I'm I'm on I'm the there. brink. We are literally in the pink room right now. It's 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 creeping in. Well, <laughs> maybe that's good because the returns as wild as this gets, and yeah, we're we're not there yet. So. I, I mean, it's so cute that we keep like mentioning it as this like poltergeist hovering over the rest of the series, but it really does change everything about it. And it's the most recent in our memory and we just went through a whole marathon of three months of it. Yeah, I mean it's it's irrevocable in how I talk about everything else related to it. But I do have really distinct memories of this because it was on the last day before uh, I got transferred out of one of my places of work. Right. And I got so drunk and I was horrifically hungover the next day. And it was very fitting because I was basically like the fallout of that thereafter. Good morning, America. Oh, okay. I actually Let's... wrote this in my notes as I wanted to talk about it because oh, calling yeah. Good Morning America coffee is the yeah. most brilliant thing in the world. I mean, coffee's a theme since the beginning, but we never... Yeah, it's great that we can say something like Good Morning America, like a kind of coffee. This is thing I want to talk about a little bit more when we get into the um, return, but Twin Peaks is so effortlessly American, don't you think? Oh, it's, it's the most American thing I've ever it's seen. It's the most American piece of art ever made. I think. Yeah, it, it sits. I mean, it's it's more in your neck of the woods, but it could exist in the mountains by my neck of the woods too. Right, because like, we're both like from the west. Right, right. I'm from Oregon, and they frequently mention. But I mean, this could. It, I mean, it could be outside of Portland, Oregon, or it could be outside of Portland, Maine. Yeah, absolutely, the yeah. Like, I mean, it could be literally anywhere in the country, and it would right. it would fit. I mean, like the the waterfall, rainy forest setting, like makes sense for the show. But it's, I mean, it's you, definitely you can put Pacific it anywhere else. Northwest, but yeah. Oh, it's so good. I mean, they mentioned Bend, Oregon thousands of times in the show, which is like 20 minutes from my town of Sisters, Oregon. The last blockbuster. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Isn't that cute, though? It like, fits. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I want to talk about like the uh, sort of end of the movie, when we see Laura finally die. Okay. What did you think about that scene? It didn't upset me as much as I was expecting. I was way more upset by the pink room. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, I, I would agree. I was, like, really disturbed by the the debauchery. Well, I mean, that. it's because we know it's there. Right. But it's well executed. I don't think it's supposed to be as upsetting. I think it's actually supposed to be kind of, like, beautiful and transcendent. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it is. Because we see her getting, we see her the other 
girl getting saved by the angel who like appears comatose in season one of the show. Right. And it is kind of like this moment where we see like the figure of Laura Palmer. And Laura Palmer is not just her. She's all beauty, all as you suggested, all humanity. Right. She's she's really this sublimity as a human figure. And seeing sublimity die, it's it's not seeing it die, it's like seeing it take a new form. And that's why I find like her death so striking is because it's not her just dying it's her turning into the image you know it's her turning into the image of dead laura palmer and becoming that like infected image in everyone else's brain and i i find this scene to be one of the most amazing death scenes that's like on par with mishima because mishima also sees like death as like a way of moving on to it really elevates it to like a religion yeah it's truly religious which is you know unusual for the show it's it's very um pagan the show Right, right. It's not Christian. But religious, not as in Christianity, but... No, it's uh, spiritual. Spiritual. Right. So Laura Palmer dies in one of the, my, my beautiful sequences, but then we get her in the red room at the end, mm-hmm. communicating with David Cooper. Uh, David Cooper? <laughs> Dale. Oh, wait, wait. <laughs> I'm, I'm, where, what, what, what's his name? <laughs> <laughs> our, our favorite person in the world? <laughs> David Cooper? But no, but Vinny, Dale, no. <laughs> Vinny Cooper. Vinny. Vinny Cooper. Dale Cooper and her in the red room together. Yeah. And her hair is done up to the gods. She's 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 Madonna. She looks like Madonna as she's like kind of weeping and crying yeah. in that last moment. Oh, hey, yeah, Madonna. I mean, and Madonna is very comparable to Laura Palmer to me. They, they both exist in the same function. They're both beautiful images that have been consumed, bastardized. This is my, my journey of trying to pronounce words right now. They're both bastardized and, like, repeated and, like, put into this feedback loop, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I, I feel very similar energy about Laura Palmer and Madonna. And, like, seeing her in, like, this sort of Madonna pop culture star look as she's crying and laughing and sort of, like, reconciling with, like, what her death is going to mean to people. I mean... Amazing. I mean, every everyone's had that thought. Like, don't act like you people haven't had this thought where you're like, if I died, what's, what's everyone going to... How's everyone going to deal with it? Right. Right? Like, and you feel all of that when you when you watch the end of this, if, if you've been with her for the whole series. Which is you, why, like, the, the small town setting is so perfect because you can really truly see, like, first the first you see everyone realized. dealing with it. Right. And then you see her reach that point. And I mean, all of those, like... All of the, the the way the death resonates, especially in season one with the funeral and the crying at the high school. Um, yeah. I had a girl die at my high school. Mm-hmm. She got into a drunk driving accident on her way to school. Okay. And she went over a meridian, got crushed, and killed her and her best friend. Right, okay. And I remember the weepy tone of school and no one being able to truly talk about it, but only to talk about the kind of the essence of it. And because Twin Peaks is set in this small town and like seeing Laura Palmer, it's like I felt exactly the same way. Well, well fuck, you don't even need a small town. You, you know, you just need a, a, a part of a city. Yep. You know, I mean, whenever someone goes away young, it affects the, the whole area different. Like, like when grandma goes away from someone, who, everyone's like, oh, yeah, how old, how old was she? Oh, 90. Oh, okay. That was a good life. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. It was her time. Well, when someone dies in a rollover and whatever it is, you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. You start contemplating your own life a lot more at a younger age. 
than you would normally. Because I, I mean, I was already thinking about death because I'm gay. You know, gay people are immediately affiliated with death, I believe. But to see that, I mean, it was like every single person around me, I saw like a border on their life immediately. Like all of my young friends, my parents, and, and everything, right. I, I saw the end. Like for everyone around me for quite a while. And Twin Peaks is the only show, and Fire Walk With Me specifically is the only sort of piece of art in which I see, like, that awareness of death, like, truly realized. Because, I mean, when you see someone die in our horror movies that we love so much, it's like, I, I don't find it beautiful. I find it, you know, riveting and exciting. It's either riveting or exciting or it's just entertaining because we don't care. Right. But Laura Palmer's death is true death. Right, right. And, I mean, that's it's especially impactful because we never truly see her die. I mean, we watch her get killed, but we see her spirit and her essence continue thereafter. I mean, there are very few deaths in c- cinema history or TV history that affect me in the same way. Yep. Or even close, like, like things where I, I actually feel... It's rare if a character's just introduced and I feel something from it. Totally. Yeah. With Laura Palmer, we got to, to know her without ever really knowing her. Yep. So it, it kind of it floors you when you get there. Yeah. I can't think of any anything comparable, really. I mean... I think we're on a roll. I think you said something really beautiful about this series that is infinitely true. <laughs> and now there's a pizza in front I of mean, you. I mean, can you think of any deaths where it's like you didn't know the person, but you, feel t- you felt... Uh, sorry. A feel. <laughs> you felt terrified. <laughs> Or, or you re- you were really upset by the death. There's a very there's very few where it's like we we didn't get to know this character or anything about them. And yeah. Then maybe, maybe the opening of Jaws kind of hit me like that. Uh huh. That's pretty upsetting, even though you don't know this one. No, at it's all. upsetting for sure. But Laura Palmer. Well, it's because you know David Lynch has already yeah. made this universe that's so awkward and human, as we talked about with the first right. two seasons. It's like so broken and you know absolutely real. And then to see someone die, truly, mm-hmm. and to perish, and then have to reconcile with their death and weep about it, and reconcile with both what's going to happen to them in the future and what's already happened to them and what's happening now. The entire instance of that moment of her in the Black Lodge, crying and laughing and looking more beautiful than she's ever looked before, that is right. death truly realized. I, I think you're on to something. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Great, great. No, no, I, I agree with all that. And I think that's why this show is successful with both its cult and a little more than that. And also, I think that it's successful because of everything you just said and because you don't have to watch it in one way. You can watch it that way. Right. Or you can enjoy all the campy elements as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, I completely agree because it's like if you want to take the scientific route and you want to go into every single possible detail and like do all the analysis, you can get total joy from that. And I've said the same thing about Evangelion before, which is the first time you watch Ava, you should watch it and just feel it and just see what you think about how the characters are, you know, emotionally existing. And then. I feel the same with Twin Peaks. It's like you can watch it the first time and just get the feelings. And then if you want to go back and do the autistic, like, memorization of, like, code and detail, like, there's room for you to do that. And I think that is that it works on both functions is truly artistic. I mean, I just got hit with the whole world of, of Zach and Evangelion, and it makes more sense than, to me than ever comparing it with Twin Peaks. 
I mean, <laughs> I never did that before. It's such it's different <laughs> worlds. It's across an ocean. But great, they're on the great. same. They're on the yeah. same vibe. They're on the same vibe. Same way. Both of us have watched 3.0.1.0. Sorry, 3.0 plus 1.0. Watched the whole all of Evangelion. Everything you've seen, everything now, and they both end on the same kind of note about appreciating the art, but letting it go and choosing to make your life with it as opposed to making your life in it. Right. And when I'm thinking about the rebuild of Evangelion, I'm thinking about Twin Peaks. It's like they both take extremely familiar parts of their culture and in Japanese culture it's a kind of like the sexy like teenage anime girls with like you know Ray and Asuka mm-hmm. who are continually sexualized like throughout the whole franchise even into the most recent movie oh definitely you know, no doubt I mean we, we see like whole like Asuka vag basically oh yeah they're hot <laughs> I'm about it. No, I mean, they are hot. And Let's go for it. They're not, like, supposed to be represented as teenagers. They're not, like, teen girls. They're images, you know? They're Laura Palmers. is yeah. a Laura Palmer. Like, she's just as, <laughs> like, a glittering fantasy. And then what's special about Twin Peaks and special about Ava is that they give you the fantasy woman, and mm-hmm. then they ask you to consider her in a radically emotional way. Because, like, what else in the world has, like, tried to make you empathize with Asuka? Asuka is the fucking bitch villain in everything ever made. She's the absolute antagonist of every other media form she's ever taken. But when she's in Evangelion and when she's in Twin Peaks as Laura, we see all of her broken, malfunctioning disaster. We see all the fucked up of it. And then we're given the realm... Oh, when we finally meet Laura, she she is Asuka. She's a bitch. She's a fucking cunt. She's horrible to Donna. She's evil and wretched to her. And who hasn't been wretched and evil and beautiful to their friends before? And Donna loves her unconditionally. That's true. Oh. Oh. (laughs) I just, it's like, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I, I actually am not going to spoil 3.0 plus 1.0 because even though I'm very anti-spoiler and like whatever to say everything, I, I do want people to see it in its native element on a big screen if yeah, possible. Yeah, I won't say anything about that. Mm. But good. No, I will say they do, the return and 3.0 plus 1.0 have almost the same message to me. Okay. Um, you have your pizza in front of you, so... Oh, I, I gotta, I gotta leave again too, so... No, we're, this is gonna be kind of our, our little intermission in which I'm not going to stop recording but we're just gonna sounds good not talk about Twin Peaks for a moment alright oh my pizza just came too alright cool alright I'll be back take your time wanna give the mic to Wilson while you're uh okay Wilson so I'm curious what you're uh, kinda thinking about our conversation thus far you don't know anything about Twin Peaks but what are you kind of imagining yeah, I, it's it's very hard to to keep up. Guess something if I didn't watch it. But what are, what are you thinking about while we're talking about something that you have I no idea watch about? It. I want to watch it. Yeah. Now you want to watch it? I want to watch it since before you always say it's good. Always. Yeah, I want to watch it. Is it on Netflix now? Um, it's on. A, you have um VPN, don't you? Yeah, I have a VPN. Yeah, you can watch it on uh, American Netflix, and you can watch the first two seasons. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you're gonna watch it? I gotta watch it, yeah. Yeah. It, and because you always, you, Ivy, John, always say it's so nice, I want to stop and watch it. I don't, if it's something that it's like so intense. Yeah. I don't like like watching like just like while I do my stuff, you know? No, I agree. I should stop. 
watch it seriously. When you watch The Sopranos, you watch it all like attentively. Oh yeah, I, yeah. I have the DVD box. Wow, I think owning a DVD of something is good. I want to own Twin Peaks. I actually, I bought the DVD box because first I got TV cable. That was a moss. Then like Sopranos, it was on HBO. I think. Yeah, it was on HBO. But then. We ran out of money and then we didn't have like TV cable no more. So I didn't have Sopranos no more. So I didn't keep up. Yeah. So some years later, it's like the, t- the DVD box was fucking cheap. Uh-huh. And then I bought the t- DVD box to watch it all. Yeah. And I watch it and watch it again. And you, do you still have the same DVDs? Did you bring them with you? Those ones are back home though. Yeah. But you 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 buy a lot of stuff that... I buy a lot of DVDs since the beginning like since the DVD thing came out yeah because I'm old just to make people know Um, I was like start I started working about that time and DVDs were out and then you can always buy like some cheap DVDs at the you know, I don't know if you have like, maybe Target in America. I don't know, like those cheap Target. Stores. Oh, we have Target. Yeah, I don't know, ten bucks a DVD is like on sale, whatever. And I was always looking for this kind of cheap DVDs. Then I got like some very good ones. Yeah. And I was always like collecting them. Well, we watched some of the comeback together. Do you remember when we watched the comeback? Yeah, we watched. Yeah. We watched a little bit, and um, and I was always looking for be, since before that I was looking for cheaper CD. Yeah, like the bands I like. Well, I mean, it, it's impossible to watch the comeback. You can't find it like on a legal streaming site. You have to torrent it if you want to watch it, and it's like only on like Amazon Prime. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, I feel like it, it's valuable to own the actual physical product. I like or owning this stuff because some stuff I have, like I actually can't find on any streaming. Yeah, stuff. no, I feel you. I like having stuff. Doesn't take so much space though. Good idea getting the extra pizzas. Yeah, Wilson was totally right about the pizza. Everybody can eat more, Lisa. It tastes amazing. I'm so happy. I have a whole pizza in front of me. You're welcome, Will. Wait, I don't have a napkin though. Yeah, that's something I tried on. I would be happy if I had one. I'm just like wiping my face with my hand right now. Yeah, I did it a lot. Also, the bar is full. <laughs> yeah, Corona ended. <laughs> no vaccine, but um, John's about to finish his last piece, so I'll have you hand the mic over back to him. But okay, but why did you ask me about the Sopranos? Did you watch the Sopranos? No. You gotta watch it. Now but you finished. Yeah, I know, but it's like everybody watches the Sopranos, so I don't want to watch it that much because it's like I feel like I'm not doing something. You special. always do that. Everybody does that. that, that, that. That's why I don't want to do. It. You gotta watch the Godfather first, then yeah. the Sopranos. Well, I, I haven't seen The Godfather either, and I, I want to watch it. Yeah, it's something you gotta do, or else I won't help in your movie. <laughs> okay, I, I swear to God, I will watch The Godfather before yeah, I move then to Tokyo. Let's talk about The Godfather on the way to Tokyo, okay? Okay, the white shirt guys are leaving. They're kind of hot. I like the guy in the hat. Do you think he's hot, John? Right. Oh, he's got some definition. Yeah, right? He kind of had some packs going on. He's a little old, though. Whatever. I mean, everyone should, but yeah, every John movie, said at least movie people should. <laughs> I will. Watch everyone should. I will watch it. I'll watch the fucking Godfather. I just, I just, I gotta find a time to do it. I'll watch it. I'll fucking watch all of it. Okay, I'll watch the. <laughs> I'll fucking watch the Godfather. I can't promise you Sopranos because I am really annoyed by the way people talk about it online. But I will watch the Godfather. 
fair enough. I'll I, watch The Godfather. You don't have to watch Sopranos. That, that's too much. If I want to, I will. We'll see. I want to watch The Godfather with you. Okay, I'll watch it with you then. That's a good idea. Okay. <laughs> okay. So um, we're 90 minutes into the episode, and now oh, we wow. have to talk about the most important... Well, okay. I'll say this. The return changed my life. Like, wow. It completely changed the way I view all art, and I literally do not think I'm going to be completely recovered from it for maybe like a year or two. It's going to be the same as what happened to me after I watched End of Evangelion and like really got it for the first time. Because after when I when I watched a- End of Ava for the first time, like Neon Genesis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, that's great. Yeah. When I when I watched End of Ava and I felt that fucking feeling in my gut after Asuka is being choked by Shinji on the shore. Okay, so Kimochi you know. When I, I saw it. that, I couldn't. I nothing felt the same to me after I watched that for a long time, and watching the return every week with you and Ivy. I just nothing is gonna feel the same to me from this, and I'm I'm upset about it. I almost wish I hadn't watched it because now everything is like kind of spoiled for me. And in the same way, we watched like what like Sledgehammer like two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, we watched some VHS movies. Yeah, and the whole time I was like, wow, Twin Peaks. I was like, oh my god, this is so Lynchian. <laughs> like the whole time. Yeah, because because, because it's, it it's was, all the broken malfunction yeah, yeah. and garbage, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and. The first time I watched Inland Empire, I started seeing stuff that way. But then mm. Twin Peaks of Return broke it into my soul, and now it will never go away. I, I have a feeling, too. I mean, it's never going to go away. It's never going to go it's away. There. We're cursed with it's it, It's part of honestly. my heart now, yeah. It is part of my heart. I'm going to go watch whatever fucking bullshit, Hollywood, the, the new Jurassic blah, blah. Yeah. And I'm going <laughs> to be like, okay, that's like watching paint dry. Yeah. It doesn't matter how many explosions Michael Bay throws in my face (laughs) or whatever (laughs) it is, right? Well, the thing is, is that, like, you know, I talk to a lot of people on my podcast who are, like, art people and, like, they're movie people. And they're like, oh, all art is bad now. They already know. But, like, I mean, we watch trash together all the time. Oh, yeah. I love trash. Get the fuck out. No, for sure. Like, trash is the best because it's, like, it's earnestly felt art, you know? like here's, Here's the thing, like, anyone listening, we don't mean trash is in, like... What hit Netflix this month, like, whatever the Netflix movie is trash. Mm-hmm. We mean, like, honest to God, the, the oldest, like, most low-budget garbage they, they came up with. And Random I, people just made it. You know what? I honestly think, like, in 20 years, I'll like Netflix trash even, too. Hey, it's possible. Because, I mean, it's like John Waters. Like well, the a, problem is, is the Netflix trash is all high-budget, a lot right. of it. And so it looks... It's not. It's never going to be pink flamingos. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no. Well, I mean, the whole problem is that like they have like these uh, elaborate corporate mechanisms working behind them to keep pink flamingos transgression right. out of them. And so I think they'll be interesting in twenty years because I think we're going to be able to watch them with like a background set day, you know, where right. it's like, oh, we can kind of like see how culture was so infected to that there was no perversion allowed at this point. So I think it'll be like kind of fascinating then, but for now it's very unfortunate and upsetting. Yeah, I mean I tried to watch like the the Fear Street. That's big right now. I don't even know what that is. It's it's like R.L. Stein's young adult books, but the Netflix put a bunch of money into like some young director and made them Oh great. Right, is it a like movie or a series? Three movies. Oh my god. And ones each week. Gross. And I was like, oh yeah, okay, let's try it out. Whatever. 
You loved 20, it. 20 minutes into the first t- one, I turned it off. I was like, okay, it's just being screamed because it takes place in the 90s. Oh, my God. Fuck off. <laughs> okay, this is something else that I, I feel about is that yeah. um, people probably have a lot of, like, 90s nostalgia for Twin Peaks, you know? It has yeah. a lot of 90s elements to it. But here we are with The Return, which is so anti-nostalgia. Yeah. You can't watch this series and, like, be nostalgic because it, it's so... I don't even know where to begin with explaining how anti-nostalgia and how against the grain this series. So maybe we'll, we'll just anything you you look you it, it's it's going to be like oh you can't say oh it was like Twin Peaks. No, it's not like Twin Peaks. A million Peaks. things you can say oh it was like Scream, it was like Halloween, it was like whatever. It's not like anything. It it is truly well. in its own element, and a lot of it is like. Um, I'll, I'll mention Jack and the Perfume Nationalists again, one of my good podcasting friends, mm-hmm. John. That means nothing to you. Yeah. Which I love because, you know, fine. people who get like into my internet holes are like, oh, I hate him. Like, I have so many thoughts about him. You've never heard of this before. Oh, I don't care. I hope people hate me. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> fucking hate me, everyone. Fucking, everyone, yeah. please refocus your hatred towards me onto John. You heard it here first. Yeah, you heard it here. Just... <laughs> Whatever you want to do, if you find a picture of me, put it on your wall and throw darts at it. Yeah, I mean, the thing you said was that Oscar was hot. And, you know, I got in trouble for talking about Ava Girl. Someone made fun of me because they said it was creepy I had a figure of her. I, I I'm like, a gay man. I'm gay. I'm, I'm like a faggot. Every, I think everyone in Ava's hot. I'm down. Everyone's hot. Literally every character is hot. I would have sex with literally What's, anyone on that show. Uh, why I why am I not remembering the Ava character, Zach? It's killing me. What are you saying? Not Shinji. Shinji's hot. I'd what's fuck what's Shinji. the leader's name? What's Misato. the girl? The Misato. Misato. She's so hot. She's very hot. I'm I'm so into with the Ebisus. Oh, if 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 you could stay that hot and drink all those Ebisus, more power to you. Like <laughs> I'm all about it. Like I'll fap all day. Give it to me. I'm not ashamed. Let's go. I love it. <laughs> I literally love it. Well, I think Masato is very. If I was a straight guy, Masato would be my number one girl. But I'm a gay man, so Asuka is my girl. She's got that thickness and that, yeah. The thickness. Yeah, she's got a bit of it, you know. She, she's got the the wop. She she's got the the coke bottle shape more. Yeah. Everyone else is hot too. They're just skinny. Yeah, Oscar's like a, a straight line, yeah, and Ray exactly. is like like non-existent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's true. like no space. <laughs> What's that? She's older. So hey, Wilson, safe. who's who's the hottest Ava character? Yeah, who's the hottest Ava character, Wilson? People put me in jail for that, but I like me. No, it's okay. okay that, I okay. mean, that's that's a popular Japanese option. But Just I like as long Misato. as I think Misato is hot. As long as it's not the penguin, you know. Yeah, I mean, as long as you like Pen Pen, you're you're good to go. <laughs> I mean, maybe that's okay. Whatever. Okay, so. <laughs> Let's talk about um, what you're. We, we, we watched okay, the first episode look. separately. Of what did you return. feel yeah, of the return? What did you feel like when you watched the return? Hype episode me through one? a little bit of that. That's what the episode that on. has the experiment. It has the beheaded, fat, bloated corpse with two bodies. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it doesn't have anything to do with Twin Peaks, basically, until yeah, the very end of the episode. It's, it's, a, it's a, Yeah, it's not linear towards the series at all. It's. Uh, God, I, I, I felt a little bit confused, but I was on board. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I knew this was Lynch, and I was like, okay, what's episode two, or what's after this? Right. Or, sorry, what's one and two are the pilot, technically, right? Yeah, it's technically two episodes, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I watched those two in a row, and I was like, all right, let's see what the next one has. 
and when we did that, I was like on board 100%. Yeah. I mean, I was on board. I was cleaning my apartment, and I listened to the episode on my AirPods while I was like, watch. I did the thing I was just uh, decrying earlier where you're not really paying attention. Oh, you know? right, right. Because I was kind of able to do that with the first two seasons. I mean, you can. Because it means uh, you shouldn't. You you should pay attention. But, I mean, it's like so much of it is like tonal and like kind of like. Season two lost me a little bit yeah. going through it like again. And I was like, all right. I, I, I reached for the phone a little more than I should have. Right. No, I, I felt the that same happens. way. And I, I was reaching for the phone a lot. I was kind of like in that mode. So then when I was like watching The Return, I kind of thought it might be like similar in that way. No. Oh, it's hard to reach for the phone. <laughs> it's like the opposite. No, like I, I, you can't. Yeah, yeah, it's great. And I didn't during that first episode, even though I was like cleaning my apartment, like watching it on my AirPods or whatever. I was like, I was thinking about it the whole time. And like, I would like sit down in front of my, and it's, it's transfixing. And um, I think that the episode is especially evil because people had been waiting for, what, 20 years, you know, 25 years. Oh, and you don't get anything that you want to see. No, you don't get anything. You get shit. You get shit. You don't get nothing. That's true. You don't get one fucking thing. Well, I I mean, now that you say that, like, the whole fucking third season's kind of evil in that respect. You don't get anything you want because it's not for you. It's for the artist, which I think is really beautiful. Yeah, that's true. It's, yeah. It's not for us. It's what he, it's his vision. It's David Lynch's vision. Well, that's what all art, sh- good art should be. Because right. okay, here's a bizarre comparison. I think that Star Wars: The Last Jedi is amazing. Yeah. I think it is a really brilliant, shocking piece of art. I think it's really evil. Oh, and Last Jedi is the second one. Yeah, it's the second one. I agree. I love that movie. I think it's. I think it's a. We're, really... We we talked about this before. Before we went and saw the third one. Yep. When I still had high hopes because, because it's last it's its Jedi own was so thing. perfect. It, it it's so it threw all the conventions out the window. It's saying you don't get what you want, eat yeah. it up. And I was, I mean, that sensation is so thrilling. That, that's why I love Ava because yeah, Ava yeah. is a mecha anime that doesn't give you any heroic moment, nothing exactly. you want, never. And we, we it broke all everything that we knew before in Star Wars. Like, oh yeah, well, guess what? She's not related to anyone. Fuck you. Yeah, she's she's just got the force because she has the force. That was Fuck like my you. favorite thing. Me too. Well, they threw that away. Yeah, she's Palpatine's granddaughter. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we don't want to get into that, but anyway, that's a good a good point. Like, yeah, it's when artists Ryan, are given free reign and they have the the power and the strength to express themselves truly and not to you know censor themselves or edit themselves for some retarded bullshit and they, they turn out genius oh totally and I, and like going back to the to the star wars like i i think i enjoyed looper more than anything jj abrams has ever done surely because like what it's like super eight which sucks and like cloverfield okay cloverfield a flop yeah. i mean i kind of like the idea of it but like no Super 8 sucks so bad that they made the they did the same thing on Netflix called <clears throat> Stranger Things. <laughs> it's like the same exact shit. It's the same thing. And everyone was like, "Oh, this is so new and interesting." And I'm like, "Oh, did you forget about JJ Abrams? He did the same thing." The same it's thing. It's the Goonies. But <gasps> right? It's the Goonies. Right? I okay, mean, so here is Twin Peaks of Return, yeah, which yeah. is the anti-Goonies. <laughs> the anti-Goonies. It's, it's literally anti-Goonies because it's like they keep kind of giving you the idea. What, what are you handing to me right now? Oh, uh, Wilson just handed to me a paper towel to surely wipe my pizza face with. 
I mean, it is appreciated. Thank you. Obrigado. We're good. And you're also wearing your mask again, which is fascinating. Well, because we got it. It's it's the weird Corona rules that make no sense. <laughs> yeah. Where like the virus is fine when you're sitting down and there's food and drinks. Yep. But you got to wear the mask when you leave. <laughs> okay, so now we have realized together that when an artist is allowed to be a perverted weirdo and not give in to the fans, they can make truly good art. So we have seen the first episode. It is frustrating and alienating and like very Brechtian. And then we are allowed to enter episode two, which gives us Cooper. That's true. But it gives us Cooper in a setting that is so alienated and bizarre and nonsensical with the rest of the series that it's like impossible to just like merely get. And I love it. I love it. Because this was the first episode we watched together. Where we're completely in another world. Yep. And Cooper's there. I couldn't believe what I was watching when I was sitting in the room with you and we see the purple sea. Oh, the, yeah. Yeah. It, it was like, it reminded me when I first played Bioshock. Me too. That's exactly what I felt like when yeah. I saw that purple sea and then like he climbed every, everything about it. It was great. Like, yeah, he's, he's here and we're like, well, where is here? It's, he was in the black room. He changed places with the doppelganger. Right, or and now and now his real soul is coming back because of the twenty five years. And, and he's he's much more coherent than later when he comes out of it. Like right, you can kind of feel like this is the real Cooper. You know, it's the real Cooper when he's in the in yeah, the world, and it's a really brilliant performance from Kyle MacLachlan because he doesn't speak almost at all in this. It's like three lines, five like lines just, tops, just enough. It's the all... basics, but you know, it's him. Yeah, yeah, totally. You know it's Cooper. But the second he goes through the electrical outlet when he's, like, reemerging in human reality as we know it, that's when we realize that something has misfired. Also, I have to get another drink. See you, Yeah, 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 me too. Well, if that's it. If that's it. Right. I don't know if he got my other kokai, but we'll find No, out. I think we did. All right. Yeah? Yeah, okay. All right, we're good. We are set. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta have a burp. I had to have two. Oh, there it is. <laughs> there might be a third coming, but we'll wait and see. Um, oh, boy. Okay, we're talking about Senorita Dito in the purple. The yeah, pr- okay. the second. Yeah, the great episode. And this is the first time that we kind of like see like the weird like special effects in, in Twin Peaks of Return, which I think are brilliant because, okay, think about special effects as you know them. Right. Think about the Avengers or whatever. And it's like it's all registered to be as like perfectly like visible and like realistic as possible. But then when we watch the return and we see like the floating face in space, it's like so obviously CGI and like something that you know is not real. Or when he pops out of the electrical outlet, it's like it's so obviously dumb and like not true, but, you know? But that's the genius of which yes. is like we we don't care because everything else is so good anyway. Well, no, it's it's like I mean, it's it's so intentional. It's like yeah. he knows that like CGI is like not an um, an appropriate way to communicate art. So he breaks it apart and like makes you like look at it, and it's like unwieldy, disgusting aspect. Actually, I didn't think about it like that, but yeah, yeah. I mean, even if maybe if I, I might just be projecting, and like maybe they just were poor, but like nonetheless, right. like that's the feeling I got. Okay, okay. So so he's putting the CGI, and he's like, all right, well. I'm just going to do it this way because I want to. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, that sounds like David Lynch more than 
Oh, this is budgetary reasons or something, and they just deal with it. No, because surely some of the the effects could have been like more quote polish unquote. You know, they they, they could right. they could have done more, but that's not the point. You know, right. it's it's so obviously a Photoshop face that's floating through space as Cooper like looks on. Well, especially in that scene, you don't have to do anything because of where we're existing in that right. point. It's know? already not real, so of course, like anything you see shouldn't be real. And I mean. This is something, um, I'm trying to decide if I should say a spoiler alert or not. I'll just say that Evangelion 3.0 plus 1.0 uses uncanny CGI as well. Right, that's true. There is a specific scene that has two Avas battling that is so very obviously CGI and disgusting. And it like looks awkward and it's like obnoxious to look at. And because there's always hand-drawn elements otherwise. Right. And there's one scene where it is so deliberately a pre-modeled, not rendered. like, And this movie is you know, one of the biggest budget movies that's coming out of Japan. Twin Peaks can't even say that, but they decided to do the same thing. Which makes me think that David Lynch is, is really truly a genius for choosing to make his CGI so ugly in this environment because Ava did the same thing with a fucking enormous budget. If they wanted to do a beautiful CGI model for some of those Avas, they could have. And they chose not to because it's creepy. It is creepy. It's very creepy. And then blue rose. Blue rose. Yeah. So... It's very Orson Welles right there. I mean... No, totally. Yeah, it's great. I don't even... There's no way... Rosebud is the... It's, but it's Blue yeah. Rose, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Reminded me of that 100%. Well, it's the same kind of cinematic convention where like David Lynch like knows that whether or not something has a meaning if he says something well, enough. Well, it's the same idea even with the rosebud. No one, everyone's trying to figure out the meaning, but it's ultimately subjective. Yeah. Yeah. That's Jose Moss. Okay, so we can't just like go through every episode and like plot it out because it's you know an it's eighteen forever. episode. It's it's a. But well, we gotta we gotta talk about Cooper in the casino and that. Like. We, yeah, so the, Cooper comes back. We do have to talk about this. This is super essential because up until this point, well, we get the season the the season three episode one where like things are like not normal. Things are like wrong and like you don't know who is who. Everything is very alienating, and then. We don't have Cooper correct. We have him like getting channeled through a fucking outlet with a, a really brilliantly. We, we don't even know where we are when he comes out. It's no. just like a, a shitty condo or something, right? No, just like literally a shitty condo. It's like th- there's no way to like possibly understand like where he is or like what he's doing or like what's going and on. And he replaces the Dougie. Dougie, yeah, Dougie. Yeah, and it's like. I um when he oh compai when he truly replaces the uh, doppelganger, mm-hmm. the black yeah. lodge creation of himself, and he's with a hooker Jade. Mm-hmm. That's one of my favorite David Jade, Lynch casting yeah. moments of all time. Oh, she's amazing. Amazing because she can't act at all. But it works. 100%. It's perfect. It's exactly perfect because it is uncomfortable and uncanny, and it's like you're watching it, and you can like see both the performance, the actress, and the character all at the same time. What was there was a line? God damn it! Anyway, <laughs> yeah, we're, 
where we all laughed out outrageously. When we were just laughing the whole time whenever she spoke because it's so unbelievable after everything. And like, especially to see it in such HD. Because when you know, when, when we're looking back on like season one and two and like Fire Walk with Me, there is that layer of like the sort of like straight thirty-five millimeter, exactly like nineties filmic quality. Yeah. So it like it feels a little more artistically divorced. But then when we see like just like the bright ugly digital camera you know right and then you see an actress like not doing her role perfectly correctly like with Kyle it's like it's complete brilliance yeah. what was her name Jade Jade yeah great and her her Jeep or whatever it is oh her Jeep her Hummer Jeep or whatever it is and um I couldn't remember her name and the whole time I was like I just want to see more of her and Ivy remembered her name yeah the yeah, whole time she's like that's we Jade laughing. it's Jade I was like, oh, she's going to be a big part of it. No, she's not. She's gone. Nope. She's, she's like in one more episode briefly as a flashback. Yep. Yeah. And um, Dale ends up at, uh, sorry, Dougie. Dale Dougie. as Doug, Dougie. He becomes Dougie. He, but he becomes Dougie. And uh, he has no brain function. He's like virtually autistic, like wandering around the world. Which is my favorite thing. It's so fun. And he's at the casino, and he sees, like, the red door. Like, he sees, like, the Black Lodge pointing him towards, like, American fortune. It's easily the most hilarious thing in the show of all of it. Because, I mean, it comes out of fucking nowhere. There's literally no way in any sort of, like, plot map to calculate that the, the story is going to move where it goes. Mr. Jackpot. Mr. Jackpots. I've been waiting to say this word the whole episode. <laughs> Sorry, I fucked it up. <laughs> no, no, no. I was waiting Mr. for you to say because you love Mr. Jackpots. I do. I, I love Mr. Jackpots. I mean, and it's a beautiful human moment. It's gorgeous because he just like imbues wealth meaninglessly. He's like an angel. Yeah, I mean, the, that old lady who's doing the slots She's every old lady ever. She, yeah, she, she's like the old lady I've seen in Eugene, Oregon, seven thousand times. <laughs> Mr. Jackpots. <laughs> Mr. Jackpots. He takes them for like a quarter million or something on slot machines. Jesus. Yeah, so basically, he what, runs to this casino, like gets rich, like basically man fixes sees, all problems. Like it's like a little gnome or something above the machines, right? Yeah. He no, he sees the red door. Yeah. Okay, it's the red door. Yeah, which is his apartment. Or like condo entrance as well, right? With what's his child's name? It's like little, it's <laughs> it's like little little Jackie Collins. <laughs> I mean, it's not that, but no, it's not. It's something like that. Okay, I, I wanted to ask you. We'll, we'll just talk about this for a bit. What do you think about the character of uh, Dougie? Like post uh, Electric Fryer Cooper as Dougie. What was your kind of takeaway from that whole Las Vegas sequence of the I whole hate, series? I hated him for like ten minutes. And then he became my favorite character. Because he's like a little retarded baby walking around. It's very cute. I mean, like, like everyone wants Cooper so bad. We're there with him. But at the same time, like, I started to love Dougie just as much. All the con- like the constant comments about his weight loss and how he just, like, stumbles into every possible correct situation possible. Yeah, he reminds me of a lot of like characters from the past, and I can't think of anything, anyone offhand, who are kind of just thrust into situations and everything works out. I mean, because he's I mean, like the Big Lebowski or something, it, you know? It's so bright and affirming to like, like see like someone just like be like led through life in this like beautiful. I mean, he touches every every single person's life he touches in his Dougie sequence. 
is right, imbued right. with goodness. Like nothing bad happens to him. It's only pureness and beauty. He's, he's more pure than Cooper himself. Truly. Yeah. Truly. And there's no one more pure than Dougie. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's gorgeous to see it happening. I mean, I think, I mean. And it's funny, too. It's so great. And he's with uh, his wife, who's played by Naomi Watts, which we literally did not realize. Yeah, we didn't realize it was her until, like, way late. Until halfway through the show do we realize it's Naomi Watts. Yeah, because, I mean, what, what have we seen Naomi Watts in? Post twenty ten, the impossible, like that fucking tidal wave movie in that's, Thailand. That's before two thousand ten, still, you know. Oh my god, is right? it really? Well, well, okay, that was two thousand four when it happened. I think that movie's oh eight or something, right? Because like to me, she's like what the Ring. She's Funny Games remake. Right, right. And the impossible, and Mulholland Drive, obviously. Okay. But yeah. it, I mean, it was like it was so bizarre to see her, like this woman, and the role she's cast in is like not glamorous at all. Like she's like a bitchy, naggy wife the whole time, and it's like not fun to be around because she keeps trying to rationalize Dougie, whereas Dougie just like draws lines on the contract and makes the corporate reality make sense. I I, I really loved watching him have sex. I know you hated it. No, I mean I hated it, but I loved it. Yeah, it was it was just fun. It was because <laughs> Dougie's stupid smile. Because, I mean, is he not, like, the perfect man at the end of the day? Like, just, like... Yeah, that's true. He takes care of business. He's making money without any effort, really. Truly. Just, yeah. And then when he, like, lays... He's way more fit than <laughs> original Dougie. I know. Suddenly. And every, I, I no said this one earlier, questions but, like, everyone that. is commenting on it. The whole time, they're like, did you lose weight in, like, three days that you were, like, fucking a hooker? Like, what happened to you? And, like, it's... I mean... Obviously, this is not reality, but it does kind of like feel true that it's like your entire existence is really only about how you present Can, yourself. I you know, talk a little bit about the neighborhood that Dougie is like born into. Okay, I want to talk about this too because yeah, it's weird, right? It's it's very Las Vegas suburbs. I had a friend but. who I I said that my overall takeaway from the return was very bleak and upsetting, and I was very disturbed by the overall effect of the series. And he was like, I was only disturbed by the Twin Peaks stuff. And at first, I was like, huh. That kind of makes sense. Like, all of the bad stuff does happen in Twin Peaks. But then I remembered the drug, like, the cracked out. The crack mom. The crack mom and her baby. Yeah, and, and then the baby sees a lot of horrific shit. Yeah. And I was like, no, that's not is, true. Is she oblivious <laughs> to everything the whole time, too? Just Like, basically, yeah. Yeah, it's, whoa. I mean, and that's, like, the first time we get that flavor in The Return. And that that, that is a taste that comes back in the palate over and over again, which is, like, the drugged out, disturbing, apocalyptic sense of disgust with how people's lives are ruined by circumstances, basically. And yeah. it happens very early. And it doesn't make sense when we first see it. There's like no linear explanation for why we're seeing this crack mom and her fucked up baby, you know? Which but, makes episode eight all the more better. Yeah. Later. I mean, we, we see all this disturbing stuff and it's like, I don't know about you, but like watching the cracked out mom and her baby, I felt, I felt this like a physical sensation watching it where I was like truly horrified because I mean, I'm sure you have felt like people whose lives have been ruined by drugs, you know, 100% in the family. Yeah. Me too. Like I'll just say it. Like my uncle had a meth addiction that like ruined his life. He got his, his child addicted to meth basically from just like living in the circumstances and like all of their lives are permanently ruined and like are in a state of the Twin Peaks mom and her child. And 
you know, we see drug addiction in movies. We see it. Yeah. It's there. But you know what it is? This it, isn't Oscar bait, though. It's this theatrical. Is, yeah. it, it's people performing as drug addicts. This is the... It's, like yeah. it's Christian Bale going on a diet. Yeah, it's it, it's like this non sequitur, upsetting nonsense that has no reason to truly be in the show, but because it's there, it feels so real. Well, also, it, it's not the move about the the show isn't about her. No, so she just exists for like five minutes in our psyche. Like and in the entire there. show, she's probably there for like twenty minutes total at yeah, most. She's just there. And we see all the circumstances and all the horrors of drug addiction in such a, a brief moment. Yeah. That, like, even though the kid is witnessing what we're, our storyline of Twin Peaks a little bit, like, there's a bombing and some things he sees. Right. Like, with his mom, it adds that extra layer of, oh, wait, this is just people going through shit. Yep. <laughs> like, this is all over, all around us all the time. Because it's not condemning either, you know? Oh, yeah. It's so. not like trying to be vicious towards her. Yeah, yeah. And we, we kind of root for her to, like, do something, too. And this, But she doesn't. And that, that throws it right back at us. Like, oh, why? Oh, it's the drugs. And why didn't she do something? <laughs> yep. No, no. So, okay. We, we kind of have a, established the Dougie plot line of the early episodes. What do you think about, like, kind of the Twin Peaks stuff and, like, the FBI plot lines that are going on th- during that time the the first bit feels like okay we're, we're setting up a little bit of fan service but it doesn't go that route no like like it just it's like it, it hits you with the music a little and the characters but we go. have tammy exactly we get tammy and um ivy hates tammy <laughs> our friend we watch it with ivy she fucking hates him i loved her <laughs> You, what is, All right, you, we, you described her in a very specific way okay, that is exactly okay. perfect. Well, it was only one moment that set it off, and it was really hilarious because they were trying to pinpoint the act, the acting of this actress yeah. is in the role. And there's a part she's like on her computer, <laughs> and she keeps like head tilting, and it focuses on her, and she like kind of leans in a little bit and pulls back. And I go, hey, hey, she reminds me of like when when your dog is like. There's some food on the table, and your dog is debating <laughs> if he should make a move, but decides ultimately not to. Like, you know, every everyone's had that pet, or has yeah. at least seen this, where the dog like looks at it and he looks at it a little bit more, and then yeah. Mm-mm. No, the whole that's role her acting like, role, like through the whole series. <laughs> like, she's always that dog deciding if she should take the jump. You know, I'm should, just texting Ivy to should come. get the treat. She's like, where are you now? I'm like, we're so at the park. Come here. Wait, I have to pee really quick. Talk to Wilson really quick while I'm peeing. Yeah, I'll talk to Wilson. Sounds good. Hey, John, long time no see. Long time no see. <laughs> like, listen, listening through the earbuds sounds so loud. Someone is peeing, so I have to wait. Oh, shit. Yeah, this but happens actually, you're not the bar. talking so loud, so it's okay. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> I think they're talking louder than us. Yeah, yeah. Here we get more background noise for people. Probably their their like voice. The background noise. I think it's good. Yeah, you guys can study Japanese. <laughs> I'm okay. Anyway, yeah, I'm feeling pretty drunk. How about you, Wilson? 
You haven't drank as much as us, so. Yeah, I'm halfway done. I don't know. I'm on, like, my... I don't know. You're what? I think I'm on my, like, eighth drink, at least. I mean, I'm drunk for sure. Yeah, yeah. But we're, like, we're, we're good, like, going on a roll. This is going to be, like, a three-hour episode, and I don't even care. I took an Ukon and a Red Bull. Ukon is, like, a... A liver drink. Oh, I made. forgot to get that. Yeah, we should we should explain what ukon is. Right? We'll we'll tell tell the world. Yeah, it's like a. We're, we're, we we have we have debates about this often if it's like a placebo, but you're supposed to drink it before you go drinking, and then it it helps your liver deal with alcohol and whatnot. There was a medicine back home that helped for that. In Brazil. Yeah. All right. What was that? It's called engov. Okay, it's about the same thing. No, it's like a pill. You oh, you one. take a pill. No, yeah. these these are like drinks in Japan. Yeah, and it's and it's really cheap, like two bucks for a pack with like ten. Yeah, I bought the super here in Japan, and one drink's like four dollars. So. No, no, that thing is like like I don't know, like. I'm pretty sure it's bullshit though. Yeah, that but I don't know that Ingo thing really work it, but the yeah. problem is like you gotta drink one before you drink. Yeah, and yeah. another after you drink, so you oh. wake up pretty good. You know what? I never drunk one. The problem one. is like I after never, you drink, you yeah. never remember to take the second. Exactly, one. I never yeah. took the second one. I didn't know but about at least, that. Like if you take the the first one, it helps a lot. Yeah, we had like this same kind of drink idea. when I was living in Korea too. It was like a kind of a super vitamin C drink or something that you yeah. drink before. Oh, when I went to Korea, I had a really, really bad hangover. Did you drink a lot of soju? I felt like really bad. Soju is the worst hangover I've ever had, period. Like, it's just sugar and, God, they drink a lot of it. And I went there, like, during summer, and it was damn hot. (laughs) And then, like, I was supposed to walk the entire Here, take my mic. No, no, keep your mic, John. John's going to go pee, too. This episode, wait, you should text Sam. Why Sam? No, I, I, I text don't want to meet Sam today. I do, I do, I do. No, no, I have stuff to do tomorrow. I what do you have to Sam do tomorrow? Today. I'll have volunteers. What? I'm doing volunteer shit. Volunteer for what? Tomorrow is puppy giving thing. Do you need a puppy? No, you don't have to. No, Sam, I, mean, I will text Sam if you want. Text him. Ivy just told me she's asleep. Wake up, bitch. Wake up. The problem, like, now that Sam's got a kid, every time he... Put the mic closer to your face when you speak. You were just yelling me about this earlier. Every time Sam can go out now because he never goes out because he's got a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when he goes out, he wants to go crazy. Okay, well, I want to go crazy. What's it? What what is his his name on Facebook again? It's different. I'm not going to tell everybody. Okay. Thank you. Um, wh- what letter comes next? No, it's O. Like that? Oh, I found him. Okay. Hey, look, he was online 15 minutes ago. Hey. Oh wait, <laughs> I was typing the wrong bar. Hey. Wait, should I just do this on a voice chat? Okay. He must. He must be online. Stop. Just waiting for somebody to call him to go drink. Well, I'm about to. Hey, oh wait. <laughs> no, stop doing that. Okay. 
Hey, it's Zach. We've only met a few times before, but I'm drinking with some friends and would love to see you. What are you doing tonight? Pretty good, right? Right? Yeah, pretty good. Hey, it's Zach. We've only met a few times before, but I'm checking with some friends and... Wait, I'm drinking. It, it, uh, drinking. That's odd. Let's change that. Drinking with some friends and would love to see you. What are you doing tonight? Sent. You should call Ivy too. She would be so angry. If no, she's already. She's, no, she's already. She's not coming because she took off her makeup. She said. And you, you call me Anujisan. I didn't do that. Hmm? I never did that. Just joking. She did. I never did. Yeah, and she she thinks she can call me an old man. I mean, you're both old people. I'm old in a different way. Were you supposed to meet your girlfriend this weekend? Yeah, I told her not to come. Because you wanted to be not busy, right? Yeah, if she comes, I'm going to be busy. Yeah, because uh, it means that both of you are old ladies. Hmm? You and I are both old ladies. It's fine. No, no, no. But you know what I mean, you know? like if We did talk about it. I do know what you mean. Like, I don't want to have no... Like, if she comes to my house, I can go out. Am I going to have to give her attention? What's that, John? Time? You want another drink? Are you ready? Okay, one sec. Don't you feel like that? Okay, what are you going to drink next, John? Maybe another Cocoa High is easy. Just to keep up with that is, like, good, right? I mean, we're already in trouble, so may as well. All right, we're going to get back into it then. I'm, I'm back. After draining the lizard, we're good to go. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> what, what, was, what was that one uh, Joe Bob movie that was like uh, floating in my teeth or something? Oh, it's no, that was Twin Peaks. Perfect. Was it really? It was in the return. He said, the, uh, what's his name? White hair when he's gotten older? Yeah. Well, yeah, he's like, I need to I need to take a leak so bad my back teeth are floating. Oh, gross. It's it's so funny it's to me. It's <laughs> perfect. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, so let's talk about episode 8. We we kind of set up what we feel about everything else so far. Like so what do we think think about episode 8? Which is um an episode which has the uh, traditional narrative going on with the doppelganger for about 30 minutes. For about 30 minutes, maybe no less. much less than that. Yeah, Doppelganger Cooper is like revived for 10 minutes by the You Gotta Light people, and then um, we get a Nine Inch Nails performance, and then we get nothing but pure hellscape for like 45 minutes. Oh my god, I love this so much. Me too. I don't even, it, it likes everything we've been talking about thus far is encapsulated in this moment. Yep. Like, we literally see like an atomic bomb test, and it focuses in on it's like Arizona or something, right? Near Nevada, like New say? Mexico or something. New Mexico, whatever it is, somewhere where it poisoned people in southern Utah, <laughs> whatever it is. We see the the atomic bomb test, and we zoom into the mushroom cloud, right? And it's the 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 sound is that really high screeching sound we've heard in horror before, yeah. But it goes on for like five minutes. It's like the longest five minutes of your You're life. You're talking about the scene when the bomb initially goes yes, off, right? Yeah. Yes. It, it, I uh, was re-listening to the Twin Peaks soundtrack, and it is a specifically a song for survivors of Hiroshima. Okay, okay. It, and it was made... It's not by the traditional Twin Peaks composer. It's like a much older composition. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've heard it before. Oh, you have? Yeah, yeah. This, this, Yeah, I definitely have heard this before. 
and it just it gets louder and louder. Yep, and then it gets closer and closer, and then when you actually get into the the mushroom cloud, right. you actually see like the specifically atoms like moving apart and splitting, and it's um, the most upset I have ever been watching a TV series in my entire life, without a doubt. Yeah, it's like the the beginning, the beginning and the end of the universe all in one moment. Right, because I mean, um, I'm sure a lot of people want to moralize and be like, "Oh, this this Twin Peaks is anti atom bomb or something like that." Well, it, fucking it, everyone's in, yeah, anti atom. Yeah, literally, bomb. Like, of course, everyone is. Like, no one wants a, a creation. But he's that not can saying about like what Twin Peaks is or what the atom bomb is. He's saying like, this is, this is. It's it's life. Universe. It's life. It's literally life, like contained in a single moment. Re- rebirth, death, everything. No, and that's why it's so unsettling. Is because you see, like, you don't see like a specific cultural commentary. You don't see like some kind of like comment about the the atom bomb or something. What you see is like life reduced to its most like basic and like unfortunate, frightening quality, which is like two atoms like fright like fighting against each other in a gas cloud and what it gives birth to is we see like the experiment which is what kills the people in the first two episodes right and what it does yeah. is it, it gives birth to bob and, and it gives birth bob, to, and, yeah. and we we kind of understand from that moment that like you know killer bob is like the true manifestation of all hatred and evil and well, human impulse towards like destruction if we just go back to bob it's just like a killer but now we see him as what you're saying. It's everything. Right. Bob is like, it's almost like an essence of evil and what's wrong. It's totally that. Yeah. 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 And I, I was horrified watching that happen. It, it was really upsetting to me. And of course, then we go on to see the firemen and like these, uh, you know, kind of like um, anti-world, like uh, other universe people kind of reflecting on it and they create Laura Palmer in response where we see like the atom bomb kind of create the evil that is Bob and we see like the human impulse towards destruction then we see the human impulse towards beauty and we see Laura Palmer get created in the the shimmering golden orb that gets sent down to earth and I mean I had already kind of felt that way about Laura you know and I wasn't sure if it was intentional or not but like watching like fire walk with me I like I had already like felt that like Laura is like this embodiment of all human beautiful sublime emotion and then like seeing it actually happen and get crafted and like created in that moment it's just transcendental I think right I felt like I felt all of humanity like there, there's there's no perfection no matter how much you, yeah. you strive for it truly you know like like there's always that that hint of evil in the world, or no matter what you do, and that's like with the whole like friends. slug thing, like the yeah. bug thing, and the the god of light murders happening. Right. It, you know, we both we all live in that world. We all live in the universe of the god of light people. Like we're all in like the broken like poor people, like uh, malfunctioning cap, like you know, capitalist destruction exactly. class. I you mean, know, it's like it's like you're gonna have like the most crazy, super vegan crazy liberal friend and then that that one smart ass in the group will be like hey what about all those animals killed in the crops that are getting plowed <laughs> for your vegetables right there it's humanity you know, it's destructive there's there's no way out you know there's no way out and i i find that to be especially impactful about the moment of of episode 8 is that we are kind of all faced with the fact that 
the world and humanity and our daily existence is based we're, off we're of evil. Finite. Too, yeah, you know, and nothing. I mean, Twin Peaks is is so much infinite, like infinitely about our insubstantiality, but, but like <laughs> I don't know how to say our insubstance in how we exist in the world. Like we're all finite, you know. Yeah, and this episode shows us like that we have like our finite evil existence, but at the same time, we also have the capacity for sublime beauty in Laura, you know. And that isn't that art, like. It is. Because Laura is art, too. Yeah. She's cr- literally created by these people. Like, she, she is a, you know, a manufactured sort of item that comes to Earth as, like, a, a created piece. She's art. And this is why I find, like, the contemporary moment and, like, the sort of turn against perversion and so much fury around, like, sexual art and stuff to be so upsetting is because, like, really, like, the... the beautiful capacity of the human experience is to create, you know, our own image in this gorgeous sort of infinite semblance. All right, can, can I ask you about episode 8 a little bit then? Yeah. The, the, so, so what is your take on the creature being born? It's Laura Palmer or whatever, and then crawling into the girl's mouth and all of this. It's, well, I mean, is it... It's really interesting. It is interesting. You can, you can see it a few different ways, you know. I mean, I think people might be reading it as the, that's Bob going into people, but mm-hmm. I see it as Laura going into people. That's what I thought. Okay. That's what I thought, too. And it's because this is a, um, a take that's very familiar to Mishima as well, which is that beauty is one of the most fantastic and sublime moving experiences that a human being can witness is to truly suffer and feel and incorporate beauty into their own life, you know? And to do that is not a pure experience. To truly suffer at the hands of something that is beautiful and something that moves your soul like that, it's violent and it's upsetting. And I honestly do feel like that, you know, to reconcile with the beautiful and to let it engage with your spirit what that is is to let something infectious and some parasite crawl into your mouth and ruin your life you just described all of my romantic experiences ever (laughs) this is the only perk i have about being a gay man is that i see this stuff quite truly you know right (laughs) because I mean, like you know, you eventually, at least for heterosexuals, it's like you find the the image of beauty that you can kind of stick to for life as the idea. But for gay men, it doesn't end up that way most of the time. Right. We don't kind of have the same structure of beauty that other people do. We're we're constantly like processors of it, and we see it in this way where it happens distant from us, and we can only see it. And to have to see it and work with it and like you know mold it in her hands as clay is like it hurts it's terrifying and, i mean in the societal complexes of everything built around it well the way i kind of want to proposition it is like what if every beautiful person you saw was inaccessible to you every single one no chance zero uh, at least like 98 percent I mean, it's probably yeah. 98% for straight or, people, you know? Because, yeah. you know, there's, you know, the upper echelon. Of, or even of, more than that, then. Yeah, for sure. It's but like 99.9. So get the 99%, yeah. and then do another 99% of that on top for gay people. You will never fuck them. You will never have sex with them. You will never engage with their beauty except from being, like, a passive victim to it, basically. And yeah. I think that homosexuals have a very clear idea of what it means to 
have to suffer from the violence of it. And David Lynch has the same one because I think he's just such a fucking perv, you know? Yeah, <laughs> definitely. And it makes sense because he shoot. Uh, Jack has pointed this out numerous times. David Lynch makes every single woman in every single thing he does look fucking amazing. Tammy, who is ubiquitously oh, hated. Everyone's so hot. Everyone's hot. The old ladies are hot. The old I'm, ladies are I'm hot. Everyone it. is That's stunning. <laughs> stunning. Like, you can hate Tammy. Okay, fuck you, for one, because Tammy is, like, the absolute, like, final iteration of, like, what the series is doing. But, like, she's amazing. She's sexy, right? Right, right. And she's constantly posing. She's like, look at my skinny waist. Like, look at my cleavage. It's like, David Lynch also understands that the beauty is, like, what we all are truly kind of enslaved by. And I think that's, like, what the episode eight and the whole function of it is doing. He, he doesn't frame his men the same way. No. I feel like at all. I mean... Straight girls seem to like it. Ivy thinks Cooper is hot. I mean, I think he's cute, but I, yeah. I'm not, like, turned on by him, really. I don't think I've been, like, turned on personally by a single Twin Peaks character. Yeah. Not one. I I'm, I wouldn't know. What? <laughs> Wils, Wilson's, what did Wilson's you say? got some ideas. He's <laughs> got a weird taste, though. Ivy, oh. no, I, I think Ivy has quite a, a normal taste in guys, actually. I think a lot of women like like Kyle McLaughlin. Like they do. Yeah, yeah. I think I think Saki said he was cute because he's in Sex in the City. Yeah. But the character he played was even weirder than Cooper, Dougie. You know, it was like a real freak. Way weirder. It's like a mama's boy or something. Yeah. When he was on the show <laughs> for but sure. She's like he would be cute if he wasn't so strange or something. Yeah. She said something like that. No, for sure. <laughs> so we've kind of dealt with episode eight, which is kind of the big, um, big. It's so almost an early penultimate. It is. I mean, the show could end there, basically. If it had stopped yeah. there, I would get it. But we have a lot more to deal with. And one of the things I want to talk about is the roadhouse sequences. Oh, fuck. Yeah, that's something different from the whole series. Yeah, because um, the return introduces the concept of like the kind of like final musical number. Yeah. But. It doesn't just give you the cute musical number. It gives you... It does it early. It does... We're, we're used to seeing the Roadhouse song at the end of the episode. Right. And now we, we start in the Roadhouse like 20 minutes in or whatever it is. Yeah. It, it shows up earlier. And um, I, I can't report for certain if this isn't the same through the whole series, but I at least was more cognizant of it towards the back end where the Roadhouse sequences where they just like show patrons of the bar with no continuity at all. In yeah. complete dire straits, like complete disaster, and I, uh, I've tweeted a lot about how a lot of the scenes in Twin Peaks make me fucking upset, like right. the vomiting scene. Oh, it's rough. The child death car accident scene. Oh, that one's really bad. Like that one's bad. The drug accident in the forest scene. There's so much evil. There, there are so many evil moments. You're right. Yeah, and. I, some of the worst of them all are in the roadhouse because they're a little less conspicuous. They're a little less stated, but you can see the finality about them very clearly. You know what makes it worse for me is, like, people are still around having a good time. Yes, that's so true. <laughs> right. it, it, I mean, it's unavoidable from the scene because they're already you, Even when someone's that. screaming, crawling across the floor, the attention isn't focused on them. He doesn't film it that way. No, the tension is based on the last musical act, almost yeah, yeah. always. It's and he doesn't even p- 
pick the great ones. There are some really shitty numbers at the end of those it's episodes. It's like he's saying, hey, like, people are fucking dying, but we're all still having a good time or something. Yeah. Um, I, I especially think of the Sky Ferreira bit when she's scratching her itchy armpit. Oh, yeah, yeah. That made me so upset. I remember that was, we were, we were waiting to see Sky Ferreira. I know, because I've been a big fan of hers since I was like in high, you know, and high school. That's what we get. <laughs> and then we get her scratching her armpit being a fucking drug addict bitch. It was good, though. Um, and there's people like having like these like trite arguments about their uh, significant others with each other that all seems like so meaningless in comparison to like the big theatrics of what's happening otherwise, you know? And all the Roadhouse sequences are just perfect human disturbance. Even if you don't like the song, you love the sequence. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And, and even the songs I didn't like, I loved them. <laughs> I, was, I was about it. I love it. I loved every song. I don't care if, if anyone else hated them. I was like, give me more Roadhouse. The Roadhouse is amazing. And it's a really inspired take. Especially that episode eight. I mean, that's like one of the, the, the few through lines of the whole series is that we get the Roadhouse numbers, you know? Yeah. And that's one of the only like true touches we have with Trinity. It's like We have the cute stuff with... um. Lucy and her husband. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. And we have, like, the Twin Peaks, like, uh, department, uh, police department, like, kind of, like, investigating stuff. Those are my, like, little, like, that. that's what keeps me glued, keeps me grounded to yeah. the floor. Is like, oh, yeah, this is still Twin Peaks. We still go back. And what's his name, the, the Native American guy? Yep, He's Hawk. Hawk. Hawk's the best in, in the new. Oh, wait. Uh, it's so hard to pick. I love everyone. Yeah. Yeah, I like uh, what's his name, Forster, Robert Forster. Yeah, right. His character, the the new chief. Oh, so good. He's good with his big eyebrows. Yeah. God, the whole police department's great. There, there, it's also good. One of the scenes I want to really talk about in particular is the um, casino girls. Yeah. And we have one of my all-time favorite cinematic characters. Mm-hmm. Can you guess who it is? Hmm. It's 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 rough when I'm drunk right now. I mean, we're all drunk. Take a guess. Candy. That's right. Oh, look at you I go. Candy is literally one of the truest figures of modern art ever made. <laughs> I'm not kidding. She's not even a lead. Everyone. No, she's, but she's so fun. No, she just appears. Like she just like and appears. She's one of three. <laughs> yeah, but here comes Candy. And what she does is she just, like, notices something beautiful about the world and then soliloquizes about it for, like, two minutes. Or we don't even see her soliloquizing about it. We, like, just see her talking, but we can't hear her. And Candy, just being this, like, sexy, like, casino girl kind of thing. Then we see her, like, seeing, like, the actual true beauty of the human experience when she's, like, looking at Cooper and she's like, there were so many cars on the strip today. (laughs) And she puts her hand to her chest and she's like, it was amazing. And you know what? I feel the same way about literally everything. I'm, like, I'm walking around and I see a really fucking ugly apartment building that's just like clearly like hideous. I'm like, <gasps> how many people were involved with creating this hideous apartment building? Like the one on, on the way. To, yeah. Yeah. And back to my house. That probably took like fucking 70 people to make that fucking building. At least. Well, more than that. And then you know how many people live there now? So many. Yeah, yeah. And like Candy sees the truth. And that's, you know, Twin Peaks makes me distressed. The return makes me really distressed and upset and uncomfortable. But Candy, 
I sit with her because I'm constantly overwhelmed with how beautiful it is to be alive she's and to see. She's one of the most bizarre characters, but she's almost outside looking in. Yeah. And, you know, I was uh, reading some of, like, the Reddit threads from the past about it, and people were thinking that, like, she's, like, another, like, Laura Palmer incarnate, or, like, nah, she was also big. I don't no, think so. No, no way. She is just a really smart she's girl. Candy. She's just candy. And the remote scene, when she uh, smacks um, the mobster with the remote oh, control. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then he freaks out, and they have a whole moment in, in like, his living room, right? Yeah, because she wants yeah. to do something good, and she does something bad by mistake. I mean, if you boil it down to that, it's that it's a human being who wants to do a good effort for someone else. Yeah. And then they fuck it up. And to see them fuck up and to see them be so apologetic and heartfelt about it, it's beautiful. I, I love they set us up to hate these guys, too. But later, they kind of bring them back. We kind of like them. We love them. Right? Yeah. Like, By the time the pie scene has happened and, like, Dale has been incidentally, like, you know. Yeah, we're like, fuck these guys. And then we're like, oh, yeah, great. Like. These guys are great. <laughs> they're, they're our heroes. Yep. They're going to help Dougie get back on track. I mean, I guess we should talk about the end of the series then. Yes. Yeah, let's get on with it. So. I mean, I know this is a mess, but we're doing the best I don't we can. No, I don't <laughs> care. I, I literally don't care. We are two yeah. friends who love each other dearly, and we, yeah. we watched a piece of art that we love dearly, and now we're having a fun time chatting about it. So if people don't want to get, get it behind it, then fuck you. It's cool. We can get 10 views, and I'm fine. <laughs> I don't care either. I do this because I have something to say, and it's that art is important, and to feel something about art is important. And we both felt something serious. And you serious. know what? We, and, and we've done a really good job not really spoiling it, because I don't care. The more incomprehensive it is, it's it's better for people who want to jump in now. I mean, before I watched the return, I, I listened hope to we the Perfume Nationalist. People to try it out. I, I listened to the Perfume Nationalist. I heard a, a very in-depth, like kind of like emotional reaction to it. And I knew a lot of the things. I knew there was like a di- like a different dimension kind of thing. I, I knew that where the series would end, it didn't change anything for me. I felt even That's more strongly right, yeah. about it. I think honestly, and um, it's cool to hear other opinions on it too. It is. Yeah. And um, where the series ends is we get two endings basically. We yeah. get the last two episodes, and the first one, um, which we had with the apple pie. Yeah. We had our apple pie, and we got to see the the series end on kind of a heroic note where. Cooper is not Dougie anymore. Mm-hmm. He has yeah. resurfaced with his purpose. Um, he arrives back in Twin Peaks, and um, the guy who wears the um, the glove. Oh yeah, yeah. The he glove. saves the day from Killer oh. Bob in the orb, which is really He's got upsetting. The Hulk smash glove. Yep. <laughs> I mean, there's no other way to explain it. We could, we could, we could have been describing the series for like David, David in depth. Is no, so good that through a whole three seasons or something, like four or five episodes from the end, or even less, he can just be like, "Here's a new character. Here's a whole new thing." And, and they are go- go they are going it. to be the one who wins the day. Yeah, you go for it, Wilson. Text Sam. Just text him. No, text him. I did. Ask him what he's doing. No, I want to. Ask him on my behalf. Please. Uh, oh, man. I'm, I don't want to find out. I'm drunk. I want to see Sam. Will you please text him? I've never really spent time with the man. Well, exactly. Text him. Last time I talked to him, he wanted to go to fucking 
Round one, play. Well, we can't go to round one because it's too far. Text him. No, he wants to play bow and other fucking sports they have there. Anyone well, we can't do that tonight, so text him. Sam is very hot. So hot. <laughs> that's all I know. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, you, that's all I know. Oh, you paid the... Was that your drink that you just, like, toppled over I and then picked dropped up? the mic. Oh, that's, that's fine. Not a big deal. Mic drop. Hey, text him. Nope. Please. Uh, wait, I'll give you... Go Hyakuen. I'm not so cheap. You are so cheap. You bought this fucking micro recording on for like 20 bucks. No. You did. No. You did. What What did I do? You bought this thing we're recording for 20 bucks. You can fucking text Sam for 500 yen. Hmm? What? I, I was telling Wilson I'll give him Go Hyakuen if he... Text him. What do I have to do for you to text him? I don't want any. But I want to see him. So tell him you want just. I did. I need you to text him too because he doesn't believe me. No, I don't want to meet him. Oh my god! Now Wilson is brushing the mic away from my face. We're on the end of Twin Peaks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's fine. <laughs> he says, "Go, go back to your Twin Peaks talk." You nerds. <laughs> We, we basically get a finite conclusion yeah. at the end. We haven't even talked about Laura Dern in this. Oh, fuck. I hate her. I don't like her in this. I don't like her wig. And I don't like her clothes. Yeah, Zach hates everything about Laura Dern. I just don't like it. In this. And I like her. I'm fine with her. You don't have a specific or emotional reaction to her. I, I don't care. Did you hate Tammy? No, no, I like Tammy more. I like, Tammy I like her too. more than Laura Turner. Yeah, exactly, me too. But, I mean, it's like, um, we kind of get, like, their closing moment. We haven't even talked about like, the, the, the I didn't, topas, you know. You know? I didn't care about Laura Dern in The Last Jedi either, but she had a big moment, so. Yep. I was cool with it. Hey, that's a, that's, um, a connection with our earlier chat. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't really have anything to say about the last episode of the show, is that it, except it, it seems to give you a, a nice false ending, and we even get to see like Dougie returning to his family and stuff. But then we get to see the true final episode of Twin Peaks. Yeah, yeah. So, um, tell me about how you felt watching this the, this this episode. The the final. The last one. The last one. Well. Hold on, I you know I'm I'm blending in maybe the last two. I might be too, because you watched them together. When do they fight? Like, because we find that's in the first last episode. That's in the earlier one. Okay, so like, I love when we finally get to Twin Peaks and Cooper is Cooper. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's not Dougie, and it's so sad because we get them all together for like five minutes, and they don't even do anything meaningful with He's each other. Like, they, they kind of just have an understanding. This is weird, but Cooper knows what's going on. So they kind of just trust him. And then oh, the Bob Orb freaked me out immensely. It was very terrifying. And the, the, yeah, this is something I, I think about this the CGI. This is the last one? This is the, the second to last second one. Second to last one, okay. But no, that's what I think about the CGI too. Is because like, if you did that conventionally, which I mean, I don't even know how you would do. It wouldn't be so scary. But like to see him in like such a weird amorphous form in, in the blob being like, I'll get you with my death bag. It yeah, it's, d- like a, it's very creepy. It's like a PS2 cutscene coming at you. <laughs> but to see the PS2 cutscene like in yeah. real time in, in actual element, yeah, it's absolutely horrific. It's it's disturbing. It's fun too, because we're like, okay, he's gonna punch it. 
<laughs> I mean, it, it, it's a punch battle. Yeah, it's, it's absurd. But when Cooper says his goodbye, we're nowhere going into that last episode then. Yeah, because then we see him kind of like go back in time to rescue Laura, but then she disappears. And everyone's like goodbye, but they don't. It's everyone doesn't comprehend just as much as we don't understand everything right. that's going on. But we know it's a goodbye, and that's enough. Yep. It's a goodbye. Cooper goes... It, we, we're we not even sure exactly where yet. Because, oh, the blind was... She's kind of Asian-looking woman, right? Oh, they yeah, the kind of... Well, who becomes, turns out to be... Yeah, yeah, yeah. the real... Ver, yeah. It turns out to be Laura Dern. Yeah, it turns out to be, like, the real Laura Dern, right? Yeah. They go off together, and they're driving... Right, right. Yeah, that's great too. They're like in the final episode, they're driving. Well, because the whole tone of the episode doesn't make any yeah. sense as a finale episode because it's like, it's very slow, and we kind of see them like going towards like the 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 crisis point, like the the the, the place that they can cross over and potentially find. It Laura. was it was Janet Leigh and Psycho driving in the dark. Truly, except for like seven minutes. Yeah. And those seven minutes of just like being in the car. Oh my god. It, it, it's very it's meditative. Like they go to sleep at a point, and they wake up, and it's like another part of the story. It's like another world. Because they, they cross over to the world, yeah. and they have sex with each other in a scene that doesn't make great. any sense. <laughs> it's so long. Yeah, because they. I mean, the, the music is positive. Yeah. But it's them having sex with each other that seems very clearly... And it, it, it's it's really ambiguous where Cooper is, too, because he sounds like evil Coop again, too. Right. He d- it's, it's not, it's it's not that just... that voice, right? It, it's a different Cooper than we've seen before. It, it's I, it's like both his evil self and himself at once. And it, it's, it's kind of like... it's the real Cooper. It, yeah. It's, it's like the first time we've ever seen Cooper in a mode that takes both of those aspects at once. And it's the last episode of the whole series. Yeah, yeah. He, they even stop and they say, okay, this is, like, not the turning back point. Some point in the desert, right? Right. On on their way. And so, basically, he finds yeah. fake Laura Palmer, Carrie what Page. Was Carrie what? I think Carrie Page. Yes, yes. That was... Well, we, we don't know it yet, but we're, we're probably in another dimension. Right. Right. And before he meets her... He sees finally the clues, the was it the blue rose, the Judy, the Judy, Judy. That's what it was. Not yeah, yeah. Well, Judy is like the ultimate evil out of yeah, all of it, which yeah. we, we haven't even been able to see in the show. Like we only get it's like the name yeah. of a cafe. Yeah, it's and Judy's. We go there. It's yep. great. And he sits down and he asks the waitress for coffee. And what else goes on there? We I mean, it's like nice. the the typical Twin Peaks setup of going to a diner and getting coffee and you know food. Some guys start some shit. They get in a fight. He beats the shit out of them. Yeah, in a way, we've never seen Cooper do it before. Except we've when only he... seen evil Cooper do that. Yeah, exactly. So it, it's uncharacteristic. Yeah, he fucks him up. He gets Carrie Page at the end of the day. She's like killed someone. It's very clearly yeah, not just in the living room. It's creepy. Right. It's like very clearly not just Laura. And they go back to Sarah Palmer's house. Her mother. And After it's a long drive. A long, long drive. Like maybe like 15 minutes of the show is just like on that drive where nothing happens. There's like a couple words. Right. And we get to the house and it's not anyone we've ever seen. It's the actual owner of the house. And they have this like postmodern conversation about how, no, the character who you're talking about doesn't live here. Um, and then we get the scream. Oh, yeah. Well, it's, well, first of all, like they meet this woman and it's, it's like what you said. 
and where we're asking like okay who who owns the house okay this isn't her parents okay well who did you buy it from maybe we're in the future he's thinking right oh no no it's not them okay it's it's definitely not anyone this isn't the same world and he doesn't quite like reconcile with that and the audience doesn't quite get it either we're like okay what the fuck and we we walk away from the house it's just, it feels familiar to you. Yeah. We're, we're on a neighborhood street. We go out there. And he, you know, he, he, he says, so you, did, did, what did he say to her? Did he say something? What year like, is this? What year is this? That's the line. Yeah. Because he's just staring. And then, yeah, yeah, he's staring kind of just at the ground and everything. Oh, my God. The, the house goes dark. And we hear the scream. Yeah, going, well, Laura. Well, first, we Laura. First we hear, yeah, we hear Laura, Laura. We hear like Sarah Palmer, and we hear things we're familiar with finally. But it feels very distant. The right. sound editing is so brilliant. Yep, it's it's brilliant. It felt felt like it was in the back of my head. I I know because we had the subtitles on for it, and I still couldn't like quite swallow it. You know, when she screams. Oh my god. Uh, and the series ends. It ends. That scream's so long. It's so long, and um, all of Laura Palmer's screams in the series like sit in your soul. But that one in particular is, I I don't have words because for it. It's it, she, she's Karen. Was it Paige? Car- Carrie Page. Carrie Page. Carrie Page. Sorry. And all of a sudden, she's Laura Palmer for a second. Yep. All of her ex- worldly experiences, her fears, her loves, everything in just five seconds or something. And uh, something I want to mention is that we, we see a lot of Sarah Palmer towards, like, the very last half of what the... Was, oh, uh, we got to address that face-opening thing. That yeah. thing is wild. Because, we, you know, Sarah... We never go back to that. We never figure it out. It's no. It's just there. It's never given to you. She's just kind of like a monster of her trauma, you know? Yeah, yeah. And what I think is so brilliant about her characterization is that it's, like, not just that she is, like, some sad person. She has, like, her own evil element like she's an antagonist through this bit that's true yeah I mean she's horrible to those kids at the convenience store a great actress too (laughs) oh yeah Susan Ross's mom in Seinfeld (laughs) his his ex's never been privy but no yeah (laughs) no but I mean and then we we see her like as this like alcoholic mess woman a similar character (laughs) alcoholic mess of a woman yeah and, like, what is it? It's just, like, this, like, monstrous creation at the end of the trauma that we've seen from Laura Palmer. Because, you know, we were talking about when we were talking about Fire Walk With Me about how Laura represents all this beauty and, like, this, you know, American cultural trauma with having to deal with disgust, you know? And I think Sarah Palmer is, like, one of the truest iterations of that whole element because it's, like... She is closest. She's most closely associated. Like her daughter has been like it's raped grief. by her, you know, possessed husband, basically. Yeah. And her grief turn like takes the most monstrous form, where we have to like sit for like a seven minute sequence of watching the same TV sequence over and over again as she watches it. Oh, and, like, that, drinks. that moment when she's in her living room just watching like old boxing clips or something. It's insane. And she's smoking like a million cigarettes and she's never emptied an ashtray in her life. Yep. It's like just the whole apartment is ashtrays and grief. It's great. Uh, one other thing I want to talk about before we, we make our final comment is the Audrey bets at the end. 
like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, we were. Because <laughs> I mean, I said this in, uh, about the first season is that right, you know uh, Audrey's presence yeah. is you know she she comes back just like everyone who's and, still alive. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, she's like universally felt in the earlier seasons. She's such a, and then she appears for the first time in the most frustrating bit of Twin Peaks to she's ever almost exist. Almost annoying. It's great. No, it is. She is annoying, and so is her. Midget and husband. Our Japanese friend who's never seen Twin Peaks ever he. walked into the room while we're watching the first Audrey bit. And we're and she was like, Is this a drama? Is this a comedy? And we're like, We can't tell you what this is. This whole conversation's in Japanese. She's like, What is this? And we're like, You just showed up. We can't tell you what this is. It doesn't there's no way to say it. This is like the end of culture that you're witnessing. We can't give you the context for it. Good luck, friend. <laughs> Poor Yui, who like yeah, it kind of added to the moment for me. Oh, I mean, it was. I mean, to have literally no cultural knowledge of like how that could ever happen, plus not having seen the show, is like the truest iteration of frustration that you get when you watch Audrey and that horrible man just like bickering about nothing about someone who's missing, and then. It ends in the Audrey's dance sequence when we get the oh, same it's song. So good. It's amazing. And this was one of the most shocking moments of the whole show for me. I mean, it breaks the fourth wall a little. It, no, it totally does. It hasn't really done that so much yet. No, because I mean, I've already so mentioned all no the No one knows Audrey's song in Twin Peaks or whatever. No, but no, no, no. Like, oh, it's Audrey's song. It's, it's her moment. Yeah. And I mean, up until this point, we have a lot of stuff that is truly American. You know, the the woman and her throwing up child being like possessed in the car and the shooting in the diner. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, that's very American. It's a great moment. The drug suicide in the forest, the child manslaughter. <laughs> yeah, all of this is like so extremely American, and it kind of like for me. Amounts to Audrey's bit in this last scene where she is performing her cultural role and it doesn't – culture is so postmodern that no one can, like, recognize or, like, get it. Yeah. And she's earnestly expressing herself, like, with her emotions and she's doing, like, this dance that's, like, not good but it's, like, you know, truthful to her heart. Yeah. And then it ends with her screaming in a mirror. Oh, right, right. What the fuck? I mean – for people who like had just been like watching from season two, can you imagine? <laughs> I mean, when that happened, yeah. I was wrecked. Not I was as fucking much as wrecked. Scream in the end, but close for me. Good. I mean, that's probably a top five moment for sure, right? Yeah. I, if I had to rank them, that's hard. Sorry, sorry. I was trying to point to the mic to tell John to keep it closer <laughs> to his mouth. <laughs> I keep dropping down to the table down there. No, but but yeah. The last, I mean, we. There's just so many emotions for the return, but it ends in the Laura Palmer scream, which we both have kind of said has a. It situated our perspectives on art, so I want to ask you, leaving the return. What do you think about Twin Peaks in total? Like, what, what, what do you get from this experience? Honestly, I, I don't know if there can ever be another show that comes close. I don't think so. I think it's the last, like, like people talk about their whatever, mm-hmm. your big Showtime HBO shows. Whatever nothing will ever do this. But nothing will ever have you question life quite the same way. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, w- I was just saying earlier, the only other thing that has ever made me feel so serious about this is Evangelion. Right, right. And 
I just, I, you know, watching this, this series has made me feel regret for art because I just, I don't know how anyone is ever going to be able to actually say something when it's been said in this way because everything is addressed. The postmodern character relationship between the like, Audrey is addressed. Like, the way people view the art is explicitly addressed. Like, the way that America is this sort of, like, beautiful cultural disaster of drug abuse and beauty because I mean even when we get all these like horrific drug sequences we get like you know Amanda Seyfried like having pure ecstasy like leaning back in the car like we have like so many true moments of beauty and we have so much horror and I just don't think anything else will ever see the world so truly everything I felt right there (laughs) I mean (laughs) Like, like, I mean, like, I mean, I'm not saying all the other media is isn't good. Like, it's all good for what it is. But it's not something you can observe and kind of dissect for your own reasons. No. Like, it it is what it is. It's great because it's telling that story. It's Citizen Kane, what have you. Yeah. But you can't project yourself and your own experiences into that as much as you can this. Well, because, I mean, so much of it invites you to do it, like, with an identification with Laura or with Audrey or something. Because I was just telling you how much, you know, I, I felt for Audrey in the first season. And then the show says, no, you right. can't. But, you know, it's rejecting you. But at the same time, it's, like, encouraging you to live a life bent on experiencing the sublime you know all of the the truly gorgeous moments of the show like for instance like the that gorgeous piano sequence when cooper has a as a dougie when as dougie he's like kind of convinced the mobsters to let him go you know and they're all eating pie together and the the woman who he got the jackpot for comes up and says mr jackpot like thank you so much like all of those moments are like these impossible moments of like gorgeous artistic humanity and it's like we all experience those every day it's like the gorgeous piano sequence in Eva yeah <laughs> it's like the, the true beauty and reality of the human experience is disgusting and frightening but like if you just can open your heart to see it truly enough you can find something meaningful to live for. And even though I felt ultimately disturbed by Twin Peaks of Return, and I felt very upset by the ending I of it. I wouldn't have it any other way. I would never have it any other way. Because that is true. Because, like, you know, to feel something so gutturally visceral and horrifying and upsetting and realistic, it's like, it's beautiful to have a piece of art give that feeling to you. I'm going to die someday. But I felt it all for, like, five seconds at the end of this. Yeah. I mean, that's what all of my favorite art has ever convinced me of. Is like, yeah, I'm going to die. Like, I'm going to, like, die, and everything I've ever done is going to go away. And it will only exist in the hearts of other people. Like, the people I've interacted with, I may have changed their character or their personality or, like, their worldview in some minor way. And that way will trickle on to more people. You know what I mean? Right. And no matter what I do with my podcast or my writing or what I drag, it's like I've had meaningful relationships in this world. Like, 
you know, I'm looking at you right in the eyes right now. Mm. And yeah. my life will never be the same because I knew you. Right. Like, I will carry... There's a ripple effect in the universe regardless. No, for sure. I mean, I will carry you in my heart forever. No you matter know, what I do, like... we hate each other a year later. We're even still if we there. get in some, like, fucking... I mean, I can't even imagine yeah, it because you're the nicest person I've ever met. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty hard. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean... But, I mean, even if we never talk again, if, if I never talk to you again from tomorrow, think about all the stuff we've shared together and all of the, you know, experiences, it's and it's, there. like... It's, it's shaped us. It, it has, huh. truly. And I think that's the ultimate, you know, takeaway from Twin Peaks is... It's, is, it's, it's almost the point. It is. It, it's not about decoding all of this art. It's not about realizing the pattern of everything. It's about seeing beautiful human failure and taking something worthwhile from that. And I just... There is no perfection. We're just doing the best we can. Everyone. It's, it's David Lynch as his character in the show. Mm-hmm. He's doing the best he can. With his <laughs> hearing know. aid. With his hearing aid, he's listening to everything and dissecting what he can. And we you know, move on. Yeah. I'm looking around at a void note right now, and we've sat at this table dozens of times. Yeah. And I mean, there's no promise we'll ever sit here again. But every time we sat here and gotten to know each other and like hear about each other and you know our family's disastrous drug experiences or our right. appreciation for film or our time on LSD. It's like... Whatever it is, yeah. I mean, John, like, you've entered my heart. It'll, it'll never go away. <laughs> Don't cry. I'm not going to cry. <laughs> A little. <laughs> Wilson patted my hat. <laughs> yeah. Because, I mean, I'm going to Tokyo... We we are Sarah Palmer. I'm losing or, all. Sorry, Laura Palmer. We all. Not Sarah. We're well, both. Sarah too. We're both. We're we're her mom. We're we're definitely her mom. We're regretting what we've lost, and it's like. We're all Laura Palmer. I mean, ideally, my entire life would be led in the you know fire walk and, and, pink and we're room, all but we're all Dale Cooper. We're all, we're all trying to figure it out. We're all doing our best. We're trying to figure it out. We're eating the donuts. We're having damn good American coffee. Oh my god. And just <laughs> Yeah, there we, we we got good music queuing on. Yeah. <laughs> Avoid note right now. <laughs> Ain't no sunshine. Ain't no sunshine. I just, I'm just very thankful for how life has happened to me, and I, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna die one day, but I know that one of those memories when I die, because I mean it's it's uh, entombed in my Instagram, is watching Twin Peaks with you and Ivy. Right. And what I mean, I've I. What I took away from it was the beauty of the human experience, and it'll never go away now. You're you're with... I mean, even if we hadn't, we have so much together, but that's going to stay forever. Right. I mean, I mean, I'll never forget our samurai night, our first night. Our first night. We were talking about it earlier today. Yep. You know. What did we lots do? Lots of tequila shots, watching old 70s samurai exploitation flicks that inspired Tarantino and beyond. Yep. Drinking so much soju that I slept in my bathroom because I was yeah. throwing up the whole time. And um, I, I just, I long for people to open their heart that way. Because, you know, I could have easily been like, oh, I don't know this guy. He's in his 30s. Ah, 
Oh my! I mean, if I was a straight woman, I'd be. I would. I would never. <laughs> what would? The, what is this man going to do to me? What? A, oh, you know. But if you just like let your life open to things that can happen, and, and no and, one's in their thirties. Everyone's like twenty-one forever or something. Yeah, I think that's very true. I, I don't think anyone like. I feel like my sixteen-year-old self is very different from twenty-one. Maybe I've learned how to tame my alcohol a bit more, but overall, that that was the person I became, and I stayed there. Yeah. You know, you live and learn a few things here and there, but even my mom, I can feel her 21-year-old self hang out, you know? Yeah, I can too with my mom, for sure. Whatever it is, she's that person. (laughs) So we just live in a world of imagined dreams and memories that we create for each other, and... I'm telling everyone, the only way to live your life is to put yourself out to dangerous, upsetting art that makes you upset and to meet people who you don't know anything about and just to, to, to find something new. Because if, if you open your heart truly and you let experiences in, the entire universe is completely open to you. But if you close it off and you want to live in your protected worlds of you know identity borders and concepts about yourself, you will get nothing. Yeah, you, you just you gotta you gotta do you, and you, you can't be close to everything, whether it be by fear or whatever you've heard. Just go for it. Just go for it. Yeah. Start a podcast. Whatever you, <laughs> want to do, whatever you feel like doing. Start a podcast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>